Hey, Bunk Funkers, this is Andy. I'm here with Art. We're coming at you to let you know we launched a Patreon page. So if you have the means and you'd like to support the show, go on over to patreon.com slash MrBunkerPod and consider becoming a supporter. You can get an extra podcast episode every month of our brand new show, Andy and Art Debunked, available only on Patreon. Becoming a supporter will also get you access to a whole lot more fun perks. So again, visit us at patreon.com slash MrBunkerPod and become a supporter today. In Chicago, two comedian skeptics named Andy and Art were mysteriously abducted by the illusionary mastermind and conspiracy theorist known only as Mr. Mr. Bunker. Bunker. The following serves as a record of Bunker's attempt to convince non-believers of the truth about conspiracies and paranormal activity. Andy and Art give an uninterrupted presentation and verdict on the plausibility of these offbeat topics, delivering what they call the The whole enchilada. Will Mr. Bunker convince these two skeptics any of this is real? Will it convince you? Welcome to Mr. Bunker's Conspiracy Time Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Art Stone, and with me, as always, is your co-host, Andy Hart. Art, thank you for having me on this program. Uh, I'm happy to be here. Bunk Funkers, happy to be with you. <laughs> Andy, it's it's uh, we're both we're both doing our classic Richard Nixon impressions. <laughs> I the show. I, I'm happy to be here, Art. Oh, and he's not a crook. <laughs> oh, Richard Nixon dooby-doo. <laughs> Shock it to me, Rorro. <laughs> Zoinks, Watergate. <laughs> Jeez. Um... Andy, uh, you know, maybe we're doing these silly impressions because uh, the uh, the way that the stars have aligned in the sky and uh, Jupiter's uh, moons are shining on us. Because, Andy, as you know, this week we're talking about astrono- astronomical signs. We're talking about Pisces. We're talking about um, being a... Uh, uh, being a... The others. We're talking about all the others. I had a Pisces taco a little bit ago. Oh, we're talking about Scorpios. We're talking about... Um, There's a Scorpio in my boots. <laughs> we're talking about uh, Zodiac symbols today, Andy. Isn't that right? Uh, not, Astronomical signs. No, not Astrological ex- signs. Not exactly, Art. Uh, we are talking about Zodiac yeah, uh, the zodiac signs. Yeah, the symbols. We're talking about the, the uh we're actually talking about the mass murderer uh who was went by the name Zodiac. Uh we're huh. we're, we're, we're not going to be reading each other's horoscopes. We're not okay. That's not All on the right. agenda. Yeah, I got okay. Hang on. Oh boy. Yeah, yeah. I just did a. I just did a Google search. Turns out, yep, 
I had my notes confused. Zodiac mm-hmm. killer. We're not talking about zodiac signs today. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh boy, boy, we're gonna have to. Oh boy, well, well my notes are all messed yeah. up. We'll have to. We'll have to go back and do a little more research. Uh, and this is really poignant because today one of my horoscopes told me that I was gonna fuck up my podcast royally. <laughs> I mean, it that said was, that specifically. That was right on. Good. That's a good <laughs> horoscope. What's it say for me? Uh, well, it says you're gonna it says you're gonna take an anal suppository. <laughs> I do every day, so safe bet. Good job, oh, okay. horoscope. Mm, good, good horoscopes out there. Uh, they're not medicinal. Uh, no. It's a placebo. You're they're they're elective. <laughs> they're elective placebos. Doesn't make it's me feel better. Pill. It's just just a part of a routine. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, yeah, we're talking about the Zodiac Killer. This is a uh, this is a big topic. This is a big enchilada. This is this is a big big old enchilada stuffed with uh, plenty of things. Uh, oh yeah, plenty of you, you true plenty crime of victims, fans. Plenty yeah. of uh, suspects. Uh, oh yeah, plenty of uh, cryptology. Uh, plenty of unsolvedness. It's not been solved. Uh, Plenty of mystery. That's right. Plenty of mystery. There's a lot of ingredients in this. A lot of ingredients. And if you can't wait to go on down to Mission Street and scarf down (laughs) the whole San Francisco, Northern California, whole enchilada that we have prepared for you this week, drizzled in red, red mole sauce. Oh, the mole sauce is so red on this one. Even though mole sauce is typically like a chocolatey color yeah this mole sauce this is more so vert, red more of a rojo or roja sauce um and if you can't wait to get all that deep in your mouth gorge uh you can <laughs> oh look look in the show notes look in the episode description okay you'll find a note from us you'll find a and it won't be encrypted and there won't be any creepy <laughs> symbols it'll just say a timestamp, and all you have to do is scrub ahead on your specific play device, and you will find when that research begins. You can get right to the story because first, Andy and I are going to take a little, uh, little detour, a little San Francisco treat here, so to speak, and um, we're going to talk about where in the world is Mister Bunker this week. Yeah, yeah, he's uh, you know famously uh, been traveling the globe and even outside the globe, um, and this week uh, is no different. Um, he's been sending us postcards about his travels. Basically, the the gist of his his method is that he sends a postcard, the front of which is an image of him in the place where he is that week, uh, and the back right. is a little message for us, uh, telling us what we should look what into, he's up to, what he's yeah. been up to, and what we should look into. So this week we get um, an interesting one. Uh, frankly, I'm going to say it's interesting. It's a crazy one. It's a crazy, it's a crazy one. one. Yeah. Uh, it's a picture of Mr. Bunker, and mm-hmm. he's in the Oscar Mayer Wiener Mobile, and <laughs> he's he's like leaned out that window. He's in the driver's seat. He's leaned out the window, waving at the camera. He's like looking dead on at the camera. You know, you know the kind of shot that I'm talking about. He's like top half this of the is a body. Classic. Classic Wienermobile shot. Yeah, it's a classic Wienermobile shot. The one thing is, on the back end of the Wienermobile, there's very clearly a jet engine strapped uh, oh my goodness. to the Wienermobile. Um, 
and you know, uh, on the back. So of the, he's in a he's in a souped up wiener mobile. He's in a he's you know he's in a hot rod hot dog. <laughs> he's in a tricked out wiener mobile. In uh, <laughs> the back of the card says, "Hey boys, Bob Lazar took this picture. He and I are." In Death Valley, he strapped a jet engine to the Oscar Mayer Wienermobile, and we're hauling ass across the desert to see if we can set a land speed record for food-shaped cars. <laughs> I didn't know that was a category. Is there a lot of yeah, a lot of competition yeah, in that like, one. Huh? I don't I mean the. I don't know. I mean, maybe this is just a low bar because they don't expect yeah. it to go that fast. So apparently, True. apparently, he and Bob Lazar are hanging out in Death Valley, hauling ass oh, across wow. the desert. Well, you know what happens when you get fucking Bob Lazar out there in Death Valley, am I right? <laughs> that guy knows how to party. Yeah. <laughs> I assume there were some hookers. Yeah, there's going to be hookers and there's going to be jet engines. <laughs> and fireworks. Homemade fireworks. Oh, yeah. That's right. Maybe they're going to go do that. Um, wow, that's pretty wild. He's in a souped up... I, I, I wonder what even, like... Did, did, did the... Kentucky Fried Chicken guy ever have a car or something? Or did Wendy's ever have a car theme? I mean, Ronald uh, McDonald, did he ever have a car? Uh, I don't know about a Ronald McDonald mobile. That seems the most likely to me. I mean, you know, I you, you got to hand it to Oscar Mayer. They have really like... <laughs> they cornered the market. Yes, cornered the market on food-shaped and themed vehicles. I, I mean, frankly, I would like to see... I mean, we we live in an age of food trucks... Um, oh my God! A food truck is not an uncommon thing almost anywhere in the USA. It would be it would be nice to see more brands build a truck that's shaped like their food, so they could drive around and hand out samples. And uh, if they want to go the extra mile, get Bob Lazar to uh, hook you up with a fucking jet engine on the back <laughs> and name your food truck. Like if you can catch us, you can have it. I would like to see a spam mobile. Yeah, oh, a spammobile would work, isn't that actually, Andy? Just a bl- uh, a block of a block, like a cube-shaped pink car. <laughs> Oreo mobile, I think that one would be fun. The wheels would obviously be Oreos. Kind of already looks like a wheel. Got they already have uh they already have a uh, a spam car, didn't they, Andy? That they made that uh that fucking. That hot wasn't there a Honda that was like shaped like a fucking Pop Tart? You talking about that Honda Element? Used to call it the Pop Tart car, the Honda Element. The Elements, yes, that's the spam car. They already have it, Andy. East Liberty, Ohio's very own design. (laughs) Um, you know, I don't know that it looks like spam. No, it's not the Element. That's not the one you were thinking of. Not the. No, that's not it. No. Pop-Tart car. That's what you call it or that's what people called it? That's what I kind of call it sometimes. I, they got the, you, the Nissan Cube. Yeah. There's, the, uh, there's a lot pretty, of cube. Fucking... There's a lot of cube-shaped cars now. Oh, yeah. Like uh, the Kia Soul. Kia. God, what the fuck was it called? Sorry, about uh, fuckers. You're gonna have to sit through this because I need to know. Was it the Pop Tarts? I'm sure somebody's NASCAR? listening to this. The Pop Tarts NASCAR? What? 
Pop Tarts branded Honda Element NASCAR. is pretty fucking square. The Scion. The Scion. Oh. It was a Scion, Andy. Mm. Give us a Scion. It was a Scion. <laughs> well, I'm glad we got to the Toyota's, bottom of that. Those were uh those were the uh That's the, the Pop Tart uh, car. That's the Pop Tart car. A, a Scion. Okay. Very square shaped. Okay, that's the spam car. Well, Ooh, spam good thing you, we got to the end of that. Just, just, buy, just that. buy a Scion and get a wrap that looks like a spam can. Good to go. That's ours. That's our contribution. Drive yeah. around, well, hand uh, out spam. Hey, if you bunkfunkers out there know of any other food-shaped cars from either your, where you're from or that we're not thinking of, um, let us know. We'd love to hear about them. Oh, um, man. Wouldn't it be great if the, like... Like the like beef producers made a like a cattle shaped car. <laughs> yeah, that that seems like it'd be pretty dangerous though. Yeah, that'd be that'd be crazy to see that coming up in your rear view. There's that couch car, but I don't think that counts. Yeah, I, can't, I wouldn't eat a couch. No, I wouldn't either. I've eaten stuff off. I would a sit couch. in one. Oh yeah, I would eat stuff off a couch. I would sit in a couch. I would sleep on a couch. But um, no, I wouldn't eat one. No, not for <laughs> eating. Um, no. Not not very tasty. Now, Andy, uh, we yeah. are talking about the Zodiac Killer this week. So oh, is that today's I, episode? I, I thought it was about wants... food-shaped cars. <laughs> we've changed the topic. Okay, okay. We've, done, a, we've to... done our old classic Mr. Bunker switcheroo. I'll, I'll try um, to keep up. No. Um, what is your Zodiac symbol, and do you uh, agree with it? <laughs> I'm I'm a Scorpio. And okay. now what are Scorpios supposed to be like? Uh, I don't know. I think that they're supposed to be like self-centered and hard to deal oh, with, yeah. mm-hmm. which that makes sense. I agree. <laughs> uh, here, let me look Checks up out. the definition. Uh, oh, no, wait, maybe that's not right. Uh, well, I'm a Pisces. And while you look that up, I'm a Pisces. Uh, a Pisces lady loves romance. Be... Oh, yeah. We're very romantic. We're emotionally connected. And we're fucking great at everything we try. We are, um, <laughs> we're the smartest. Hunky. We're great leaders. Uh, we're hunky. We, uh, have massive hogs. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, I'd say that it makes, this is like, I'm not a believer in astrology, but this is kind of turning my opinion here. Yeah. I mean, you know what I'm saying? All right. Worked for me. Go. Scorpio traits, strengths, resourceful, brave, passionate, stubborn, a true friend, weaknesses, distrusting, jealous, secretive, violent. Scorpio likes oh my God. truth, facts, <laughs> Jesus Christ, being right, longtime friends, teasing, a grand passion. Scorpio dislikes dishonesty, revealing secrets, passive people. Some of those are checking out with you, and most of those are so vague that I can see them working for you. <laughs> or wow. <laughs> Imagine that. Imagine <laughs> that. An astrology description that's so vague that if you think about it a little bit, it probably works for you. <laughs> no, I think some of those work out for you, especially most of the negative ones. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Look at all the zodiac signs, though, and take all the negatives, and I'll bet I fit the bill for most of them. 
No, I think some of those play into you. So you're not big into the Zodiac or horoscopes, huh? No, I don't believe in any of the astrology stuff. Yeah, I've never been into that stuff either. Uh, I mean, occasionally I like, you know what happens though is I read it and then it gets in my head. Uh-huh. And then I kind of think like, oh shit, it's got to like, I go, what the fuck is this? Like, I don't, I'm not somebody who likes surprises and maybe that's a Pisces thing, but I hate surprises. And so reading a horoscope is a bit like a surprise where it's like, oh shit, what the fuck is going to happen to me today? You know? Mm, I see what you're saying. You let it affect you. Where it's like, oh, I didn't know that was going to happen today. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't ever feel that way. I mean, I'll, I'll read a horoscope and then I'll immediately forget anything that it said. <laughs> like it has so little impact on me that I just totally, I don't think and, about it. And even though they're complete full of shit, I do like reading fortune cookie fortunes as well. It's fun. Those are fun. That's what you do. The fortune cookie I like. Yeah, who doesn't like a fortune cookie? I like a fortune cookie. There's nothing wrong they're with tasty. fortune cookies. They're sweet. It's crunchy. It's got a piece of paper inside. I love eating paper. It's a bit nutty. Old friend mm. Austin Powers would say, don't you think fortune cookies have a, are a bit nutty occasionally? <laughs> no? Yeah, yeah they're, they're kind of sweet. Yeah, they're they're kind of like a vanilla flavor. Yeah, it's very, very gentle and soothing. Well, speaking of being gentle, soothing, and tasting like vanilla, uh, today's topic <laughs> is, is none of the above. Segue. Yeah. <laughs> Art known for his segues, everybody. <laughs> Art segues. Get them at the mall. Um, yep. No, Andy, I mean, today's topic really it is not for the uh, faint of heart. If you are a true crime fan, a serial killer lore fan. Um, this is right up your alley, but uh, yeah, pretty violent episode today. I, I, we'll we'll be honest, and obviously, I think I don't think we need to even say it. I think the title should tell you. Uh, obviously, a um, disclaimer for anybody who's not into uh, you know stories of uh, death. I guess because um, today's is chock full of them. Yeah. Um, we're going to give you the whole enchilada on the uh, Zodiac Killer here. I mean, all the confirmed um, slayings, all the uh, alleged ones, some of the alleged ones that we know about, uh, the top build, the top build um, suspects, and hey, even a little extra. Maybe you're, you might get, uh, <laughs> you might go to the opera as well. Yeah. Today's topic <laughs> as well. Yeah, our goal is to educate you on murders from the last 50 years, but also the arts. So, uh, well, let's let's not waste any more time here, Andy. Let's get right to it. This is the Zodiac Killer here on Mr. Bunker's Conspiracy Time Podcast. This is the dawning of the age of Aquarius, age of Aquarius. Art, do you know what the Zodiac is? Well, Andy, uh, well, in astronomical terms, it's it's essentially the path of the sun as it the moves around. The constellations oh. are stars that form 
Animals Leo and Capricorn too. I get it. I know astronomy. We're speaking the same language. <laughs> Bunkfuckers, today we're a California dreaming. I guess actually it's more like a nightmare. Well, either way, we're putting flowers in our hair because we're going to San Francisco. Ding, ding. Turns out the whole enchilada is the real San Francisco treat. That's right, Bunkfunkers. Northern California, where the girls are warm. Uh, I don't know why I said that so creepy. I'm sorry. <laughs> Today, Northern California, where the girls are warm. It's probably so I could be more with what my you sweet inti- baby, yeah. Yeah, were you what, more what you intended? No, um, you were great. Today, we're trying to crack the code of the Zodiac, a uh, the notorious serial killer who who terrorized California in the late 60s and early 70s, taunting the police and the public with a series of disturbing letters, some containing mysterious messages written in ciphers. The first slayings officially attributed to the killer who eventually became known as the Zodiac occurred on December 20th, 1968. It was a Friday night, and 17-year-old David Faraday was on a date with 16-year-old Betty Lou Jensen. This was the couple's first date, and the first date Betty Lou had ever been allowed on. And these kids wanted to make the most of it. They parked David Faraday's Rambler station wagon on a gravel parking area off Lake Herman Road in Benicia, California. The spot was known to be a lover's lane area where folks go to make out, put their hands under each other's sweaters, and, you know, get after it. Sexually. This was about 11.15 p.m., despite David's promise to Betty Lou's parents that he'd have her home by 11. Unfortunately... They should have stuck to curfew. While getting busy in the station wagon, the couple was approached by another person who fired shots into the Rambler. Betty Lou got out of the passenger side of the car first, followed by David, who was shot upon exiting the vehicle. He was shot in the head at point-blank range and died soon thereafter. Betty Lou was gunned down as she fled the scene, getting shot five times in the back and dying immediately. Not long after the murders, a person living nearby the scene found the bodies of Betty Lou Jensen and David Faraday and called the police. The police determined that there was no intention of robbery or sexual molestation. There were also no witnesses to the murders, despite the presence of other cars in the area. Bullet holes in the roof and back window of the Rambler were indicative of warning shots, which were fired to get the couple to exit the vehicle. Police determined the weapon used was a 22 caliber semi-automatic pistol, possibly a J.C. Higgins Model 80. The ammunition used was Winchester Super X copper-coated long rifle bullets. Now, the police were not able to identify the killer, and the case remained open without conclusion. At this point, the Zodiac killer wasn't even known as the Zodiac. The, the Zodiac did not immediately take credit for the murders of David Faraday and Betty Lou Jensen. But did eventually, which, you know, we'll get to momentarily. In the interest of the uh, whole enchilada, though, we should tell you that the Zodiac hasn't been the only suspect uh, in this case. Some people kind of dispute the Zodiac's involvement in these murders because, well, known phone calls or letters were received about the murders until months later. And again, we'll get to it. We're going to establish a hard timeline for you. We're getting to it. Also... 
Jumping around some more. In the early 1990s, a uh, former Vallejo PD detective said the couple was murdered because David Faraday learned about a major drug deal, talked openly about who was involved. Faraday and Jensen were murdered on December 20th, 1968. Another murder credited to Zodiac happened on July 5th, 1969, a Saturday, and the day after the USA's Independence Day, which, of course, is a holiday commemorating the day all of humanity stood together to liberate Earth from an extraterrestrial invasion. In the wee small hours of the morning of July 5th, 1969, right after midnight, Darlene Farron and Mike Majot were parked in a Chevy Corvair in the parking lot at Blue Rock Springs Park on the eastern edge of Vallejo, California. Farron was a married mother and Majot was a swinging bachelor. The couple allegedly was parked in the deserted parking lot just to talk. Another car, possibly a brown Ford Mustang or uh, another Chevy Corvair, pulled into the otherwise empty parking lot around midnight and parked just a few feet from Darlene and Mike. The other car left the parking lot only to return a few minutes later. A man with a flashlight got out of the car, approached Darlene and Mike's vehicle, and started shooting at them. The man fired five shots and walked slowly back to his car. Mike let out a scream of pain, which caused the shooter to come back and fire two more shots into each victim. Ultimately, Darlene Farron was shot five times and died at the scene. Mike Majot was shot four times, but survived. As with the Faraday-Jensen murders, the uh, farron Majot attack left no indication of robbery or sexual molestation. And once again, there were no witnesses. The weapon used to attack Farron and Majot was a 9mm semi-automatic pistol. Now, what's interesting here is that a little over half an hour after the attack, at about 12.40 a.m., the Vallejo Police Department got a call from someone taking responsibility for the shooting. The caller correctly identified the weapon used in the attack and also presumably took credit for the earlier Faraday-Jensen murders. Here's what the caller said. I want to report a murder. If you will go one mile east on Columbus Parkway, you will find kids in a brown car. They were shot with a 9mm Luger. I also killed those kids last year. Goodbye. This call was traced to a gas station payphone, which did not lead to uh, greater clues. Ultimately, police were also unable to solve this case. As you say, Art, that phone call was very interesting, but things were about to get even more interesting. On July 31st, 1969, only a few weeks after that mysterious phone call, three letters were sent, one letter each, to the Vallejo Times-Herald, the San Francisco Examiner, and the San Francisco Chronicle. These letters claimed to be from the person who murdered Betty Lou Jensen, David Faraday, and Darlene Farron. These letters contained details that only the killer could have known, strengthening Zodiac's connection to the Faraday-Jensen murders, despite the long gap of time in publicly taking credit. Each letter also included one-third of a cipher that, according to the letters, would reveal the identity of the killer if solved. The letters demanded publication of the letters on August 1st, which was a Friday, or the author vowed to go on a, quote, kill rampage that weekend, continuing to murder until Sunday night or until a dozen or more people had been killed. Then, on August 4th, 1969, another letter was sent to the San Francisco Examiner, in response to police asking for information to prove the author of the previous letters actually committed the murders. The first line of this letter says, This is the Zodiac speaking. 
Now, this is significant because this is the first time the name Zodiac had been used in connection to this suspected killer. The author went on to describe details of the attack on Darlene Farron and Mike Majot. They also described taping a flashlight to the gun barrel in order to find targets in the dark. The author says they were not happy. The previous letters did not get the front page coverage as was requested. On August 8th, 1969, there was a break of sorts in the case. On that date, Donald and Betty Harden, a husband and wife amateur super sleuth team, got in touch with the San Francisco Chronicle because they believe they found a solution to the three-part cipher Zodiac sent on July 31st, 1969. The Z408, as the cipher is now known, uh, that's Z for Zodiac and 408 for the number of characters, was solved in part because Betty got into the mind of the Zodiac. She believes Zodiac was an egotist, so she guessed the first letter was I. She also thought there would probably be words like kill or killing or the phrase I like killing somewhere in there. Betty nailed it because the solution to the cipher literally begins, quote, I like killing people because it is so much fun, end quote. In fact, the Z408 describes murder as, quote, the most thrilling experience. It is even better than getting your rocks off with a girl, end quote. But that's not all. In this cipher, Zodiac said a few other interesting things. For one, Zodiac wrote, quote, man is the most dangerous animal of all, end quote. This is uh, a reference, presumably, to the short story from 1924 by Richard Connell called The Most Dangerous Game. The story is about a Russian aristocrat who hunts human beings on his island in the Caribbean. Of course, the Zodiac could also be referring to the film adaptation of the story, also called The Most Dangerous Game, which was released in 1932. Further, Zodiac also revealed the purpose of the murders. According to the cipher, upon death, Zodiac will be reborn in paradise, where all their victims would become slaves to the Zodiac in the afterlife. In the Z408, Zodiac vowed to not reveal their name for fear they would be stopped from collecting slaves for the afterlife. After this, Zodiac went quiet for a little while. Then, on September 27th, 1969, Zodiac reappeared in grandiose fashion. On that date, Cecilia Ann Shepard and Brian Calvin Hartnell were relaxing on a blanket at a remote location by the shore of Lake Berryessa, which is approximately only like 30 miles north of Napa, California. It was about 6.15 p.m. Cecilia noticed a man approaching the couple, and the man was uh, dressed strangely, to put it mildly. He was wearing a black executioner's hood, with a white Zodiac symbol on the dickey. The uh, Zodiac symbol is a cross through a circle. Um, and it's it's like crosshairs in a circle, essentially. Uh, and, and how the Zodiac signed uh, letters to the press. The man was also holding a gun. Now, this hooded chap claimed he escaped from prison in either Montana or Colorado and needed some quiche to get to Mexico. Brian offered the man his wallet and his keys, but then the man refused. After some more conversation and an undoubtedly very awkward segue, which I know all too well, the man tied up the pair using pre-cut, pre-cut lengths of, of plastic clothesline. Uh, without warning, the man began stabbing the couple, Brian first, then Cecilia. 
Cecilia was stabbed 10 times, five wounds in the front and five in the back. She died within 48 hours of the attack. Brian was stabbed six times in the back and eventually recovered from his wounds. After the stabbing, the hooded man walked away casually from the scene. As you can probably guess by now, there was no indication of robbery or sexual molestation, and there were no witnesses. Nearby fishermen heard the couple screaming and alerted park rangers. It took nearly an hour for an ambulance to arrive on the scene to help the couple. This is They were in a remote area, clearly. In an odd coincidence, uh, also about an hour after the attack, the Napa Police Department got a phone call from someone claiming to be the attacker. The man on the phone said he wanted to report, uh, quote, a double murder. The caller provided a description of Brian's car, which had been used to drive the couple to Lake Berryessa. The caller also directed police to the crime scene and confessed, saying, quote, I'm the one who did it. Police traced the call to a phone booth in downtown Napa at a car wash, which later yielded some fingerprints. Meanwhile, back at the scene, Napa County Sheriff's deputies discovered a message on the door of Brian's VW Carmen Ghia written in pen. The message had a zodiac symbol, again, a cross circle, crosshairs, and underneath was written Vallejo. Underneath that, 122068. Under that, 7469. Under that, September 2769, 630. Under that, by knife. This is, is basically a recounting of the zodiac's activity in the Vallejo area, uh, Benicia, California, neighbors Vallejo, just FYI geographically, David Faraday and Betty Lou Jensen were killed on December 20th 1968, and Darlene Farron and Mike Majot were attacked on July 4th 1969. I mean, technically it was July 5th, but it was just a, a few minutes past midnight. Then the date and approximate time of the attack at Lake Berryessa, including the type of weapon. Interesting to note, Sherwood Morrill, who was the California Department of Justice documents examiner, determined the note on the car door was written by the same person who wrote the Zodiac letters. Also on the scene, deputies found size 10.5 Wingwalker boot prints, which indicated the suspect weighed more than 210 pounds. Wingwalker boots are a kind of combat boots originally developed for paratroopers or airborne forces. In the United States, a modified version was also used in the Navy. Brian Hartnell was able to provide a physical description of the attacker, saying the man was more than six feet tall and had a heavy build. Deputies determined that the knife used had a wooden handle and the blade was 10 to 12 inches long. Though some good evidence was collected in this case, detectives still weren't able to determine who the murderer was. On Saturday, October 11th, 1969, the Zodiac struck again at approximately 9.55 p.m. in San Francisco. Paul Stein was a grad student driving a taxi cab to help pay his bills. On this night, his cab was hailed at the corner of Mason and uh, Geary Streets. Um, the passenger asked to go to the intersection of Washington and Maple Streets, which is an upscale San Francisco neighborhood on the outskirts of Presidio Park called uh, Presidio Heights. For reasons we don't know, instead of stopping at Washington and Maple Streets, the cab actually stopped a block away at the corner of Washington and Cherry Streets. When the cab came to a stop, Paul Stein was shot one time in the head at point-blank range, killing him. Unlike other Zodiac attacks, though, this time there were witnesses. Three witnesses, to be exact. 
teen girls having a party. They watched the killer from a house on the southeast corner of the intersection about 60 feet away. They saw the Zodiac wiping down the cab, possibly trying to clean up the scene. The, the witnesses called the police and provided a description of the suspect. A white male, 25 to 30 years old, 5'8 to 5'9, that is 5 feet 8 inches tall to 5 feet 9 inches tall, stocky build with reddish brown hair in a crew cut and heavy rimmed glasses and dark clothing. Eventually, these witness descriptions were turned into a now quite famous composite sketch of the Zodiac. The witnesses last observed the murderer walking, again, casually away north on Cherry Street, which was toward Presidio Park. Now, as luck would have it, San Francisco police officers, Donald Fook, um, or is it Fouque? I'm not sure, to be honest Funke. with you. I'm not sure if it's Fouque. Donald Fouque. Fouque. It's definitely Fouque. Probably it's Fouque. Fouque. I mean, that's what I thought, but. Yeah, it's Fouque. <laughs> Donald Fouque and uh, Eric Zelms were in the area at the time. Thanks to an incredibly racist uh, screw-up by the dispatcher, the officers were not able to apprehend the Zodiac. You see, uh, the dispatcher described the suspect as being a black male adult. So when Falk and Zelms observed a white man walking east on Jackson Street, well, they didn't stop and question the man. Once the correct description was broadcast, the officers realized that they may have almost had their man. So Fawkes and Zelms described the man they saw, and it sounds a lot like the man at the murder scene. A white man, 35 to 45 years old, about 5 feet, 10 inches tall, between 180 and 200 pounds, barrel-chested, light-colored, crew-cut hair, and again, glasses. Now that sounds like the same guy to me. While the suspect escaped into the San Francisco night, back at the scene, investigation was underway. We already mentioned that Paul Stein's murder was unusual for a Zodiac attack because there were witnesses. It was also unusual because there was evidence of what seems like robbery, even if robbery wasn't the impetus for the murder. Paul Stein's wallet was taken, as were his keys, and a large portion of his shirt was torn off. Police were also able to recover bloody fingerprints from the vehicle, fingerprints that are possibly Zodiacs. Curiously, a pair of men's black leather gloves, size 7, were found in the back seat of the cab. It's not clear to whom these gloves belonged. Police also determined that the weapon used in the slaying was a 9mm semi-automatic pistol, but not the same 9mm semi-automatic pistol used in the Farron Majot attack. A couple of days after the murder, on October 13, 1969, the San Francisco Chronicle received yet another letter from Zodiac. This one was a doozy, too. Probably not a shock, Zodiac took credit for the murder of Paul Stein, starting off with, quote, I am the murderer of the taxi driver, end quote. The letter ends with Zodiac threatening to murder children. Zodiac writes, quote, School children make nice targets. I think I shall wipe out a school bus some morning. Just shoot out the front tire and then pick off the kitties as they come bouncing out, end quote. In a surprising twist, though, the letter also contained a piece of Paul Stein's bloody shirt. San Francisco police inspectors assigned to the Stein case, Dave Tashi and Bill Armstrong, were especially surprised by this because until this point, the Stein case had been treated as a routine homicide investigation. Now, the next month on November 8th, 1969, the Chronicle received yet another letter from Zodiac with another piece of Paul Stein's shirt enclosed. 
This letter was different because it was written on a so-called quote-unquote humorous greeting card. Now, look, you bunk bunkers judge for yourself if you think this is funny. I mean, you're listening to this podcast, so maybe you're not the best judge, <laughs> maybe, judge yeah. of what comedy is. <laughs> but it's a picture of an ink pen that's dripping water. The card says, quote, sorry I haven't written, but I just washed my pen. Dot, dot, dot. End quote. On the inside, in a font that looks like an out-of-control pen, it says, quote, and I can't do a thing with it. End quote. Yeah, stick around for our verdicts on if this card is funny or not. I mean, you know, <laughs> we're we know the real. You, we know you're waiting for those verdicts. Oh, yeah. Anyway. This letter was somewhat interesting because Zodiac sent another cipher. This one was 340 characters long, and so it's now known as Z340. And it was an especially tricky cipher. In fact, this one has not been definitively solved even to this day. We'll talk about that more in a bit. The message from the Zodiac was also, you know, frankly, a little desperate for our taste. Kind of sad. Zodiac writes, quote, P.S., if you could print this new cipher on your front page, could you print this new cipher on your front page? I get awfully lonely when I'm ignored. So lonely that I might do my thing. End quote. And by the way, the word thing was in bold text and was underlined six times, followed by six exclamation points. Ugh, reeks of desperation. Oh, yeah. The very next day, November 9th, 1969, the Chronicle received a whopping seven-page letter from the Zodiac. In this wide-ranging missive, Zodiac begins by expressing anger at the police, quote, for telling for their telling lies about me, end quote. Throughout the letter, Zodiac refers to the police as pigs. Zodiac says that murders will no longer be announced, but will only appear to be typical robberies, crimes of passion, accidental deaths, and the like. Zodiac denied leaving any fingerprints at any crime scene. In fact, Zodiac claims to cover their fingerprints in airplane cement, that is, cement for building model airplanes, not like cement made from discarded airplanes, uh, to hide to hide their prints. Zodiac also claimed to use a disguise when perpetrating attacks. If you want to find Zodiac, you have to find someone who doesn't look like the descriptions. Zodiac also addressed the Paul Stein murder directly. Zodiac claimed the act of cleaning the cab was only to leave fake clues for the police. Zodiac also claims that night to have not only encountered, but to have been stopped by two police officers asking about anything suspicious in the area. Zodiac told the police there was a man waving a gun and going around a nearby corner. Zodiac says the police, quote, peeled rubber after getting that tip. In typical Zodiac fashion, the letter requested that the anecdote about the officers be printed in the newspaper or Zodiac vowed to, quote, do my thing. Again, this was a long letter. So there was even more stuff. Zodiac claimed to have constructed a bomb out of ammonium nitrate fertilizer and stove oil, which was then buried under gravel somewhere to, quote, ventilate anything in the area when it exploded. The purpose of the bomb was to blow up a school bus. The letter lists the components of the bomb's trigger device and had a schematic drawing of the bomb's operation. Throughout, Zodiac refers to the bomb as a, quote, death machine. Ultimately, this letter wraps up with Zodiac saying, quote, To prove that I am the Zodiac, 
ask the Vallejo cop about my electric gun sight, which I used to start my collecting of slaves, end quote. Zodiac is officially quiet again until just before Christmas. On December 20th, 1969, the one-year anniversary of the David Faraday and Betty Lou Jensen murders, celebrity attorney Melvin Belly received a letter from Zodiac pleading for help. Now, uh, if you don't know who Belly was, he was an attorney of, well, many nicknames. He was called the King of Torts um, for his success in personal injury law, where he won his clients over $600 million in damages during his career. He also was known as Melvin Bellicose by ins- uh, insurance companies. Each of those are better than my one nickname, which is Fart. That's right. <laughs> That's what everyone calls you. Yep. Belly represented a number of celebrity clients and even represented uh, Jack Ruby, the man who killed Lee Harvey Oswald, who was accused of assassinating U.S. President John F. Kennedy. Check out our JFK episode if you'd like to learn more about that, plus a lot more about bullet trajectories and <laughs> grassy knolls. Yep. <laughs> so anyway... Belly gets this letter, right? And in the letter, Zodiac reveals a side we haven't seen yet. It's a seemingly scared Zodiac. Uh, The letter says, quote, The one thing I ask of you is this. Please help me. End quote. In the letter, Zodiac worries about losing control and killing again, specifically killing victims number 9 and 10. Obviously, that count doesn't match up with the victims we've identified so far, but that's kind of the thing about this case. You know, Zodiac continually takes credit for more and more murders than the official count, and we'll get to that in a minute as well. Now, Zodiac also says that the bus bomb is large and complicated, so that it has not been set up yet. Um, Zodiac warns again, though, quote, if I hold back too long from number nine, I will lose all control of myself and set up the bomb, end quote. As a side note, uh, Belly appeared on a TV program later where the Zodiac allegedly called in and agreed to meet with Belly. Belly went to the agreed meeting spot for several hours, but the Zodiac never showed. Okay, bunk funkers. So Art just mentioned the disputed count of Zodiac victims. We've gone through the official list of Zodiac victims, David Faraday and Betty Lou Jensen, Darlene Farron and Mike Majot, Cecilia Shepard and Brian Hartnell, and Paul Stein. In addition to these folks, there are other potential victims of Zodiac that for one reason or another aren't confirmed as Zodiac cases. The first one we're going to talk about is the abduction of Kathleen Johns. On March 22, 1970, Kathleen Johns and her infant daughter were on their way from San Bernardino, California, to visit Kathleen's sick mother in Petaluma. Kathleen was also seven months pregnant at the time. At about 11.15 p.m. on Highway 132 near Patterson, another driver pulled alongside Kathleen's car, gesturing for her to stop. When she pulled over, the man approached and told her that one of her car's wheels was wobbling. The man offered to tighten the wheel. After working for a few minutes, the job was done and Kathleen pulled back onto the highway. At this point, the wheel came off completely. Despite offering to tighten her lug nuts, the man had apparently loosened them instead. The man offered to help again, nice guy that he was, convincing Kathleen and her baby to get in his car for a ride to a service station. 
According to Kathleen, the man drove her and the babe her and the baby around the back roads outside of the town of Tracy for almost two hours, threatening to kill them. Finally, while stopped at a stop sign, Kathleen Johns clutched her infant and jumped out of the car, concealing herself in a field until the man left. Kathleen then hitched a ride to the Patterson police station. Once at the police station, Kathleen spotted the Zodiac's wanted poster and identified the Zodiac as her abductor. Kathleen described the man as about 30 years old, 5 feet 9 inches tall, 160 pounds, short dark hair, heavy rimmed glasses, and dark clothing. This sounds a little like the other Zodiac descriptions. Not exactly, though. Now, to be fair, doubt has been cast on Kathleen's story. According to the police report, Kathleen told police the man was polite and did not make any advances or threats toward her. Kathleen said every time she asked him to stop the car or drop her off, he changed the subject. The police report does say that Kathleen suspected the man might physically harm her or her family, which is why she jumped out of the car. Uh, Kathleen herself, though, says that these inconsistencies in the story are likely due to the police officers doing the police report from memory and not recalling her story accurately. Kathleen says no officers documented her testimony in her presence, Incongruities in the story aside, police did not locate any witnesses, and Kathleen's car was found burned up, uh, that is, it was set on fire, about two miles from where she says she left it. On April 20th, 1970, another Zodiac letter was delivered to the San Francisco Chronicle. This letter starts by asking if the previous cipher, the famous Z340 cipher, had been solved. Zodiac then writes, quote, my name is, end quote followed by a dash. And I know what you might be thinking. You might be tempted to <laughs> saying in your head, Slim Shady, but right. it's, my name is what? My name is who? It's it's not that. Right. I don't even know if Marshall Mathers was born yet. Um, Do you think underneath that Eminem solved the cipher? <laughs> and that's where he got those Well, lyrics? I think we're going to get to that in our discussion. Okay. Um, underneath that text is another ciphered message. This one is only 13 characters long. This is the Z13 cipher. Like the Z340, the Z13 remains definitively unsolved. This letter says the Zodiac has killed 10 people, making good on the threats in the Melvin Belly letter. Zodiac does say that it would have been more people, but the, quote, bus bomb was a dud, end quote. Apparently, the bomb got ruined in the rain. But, uh... Psychotic hope springs eternal as Zodiac included a new bomb schematic in his letter, showing a bus driving beside a hill where the trigger mechanism was planted. According to the letter, the bomb was operated by photoelectric switches. Now, um, this might not make sense verbally, but check the show notes and you'll see all of the Zodiac's letters, including this diagram. Basically, there's these tubes that are stuck in the hill and normally sunlight is shining in the tubes but when the bus drives by the hill it breaks in it you know it breaks the connection between the stream of light which then flips a switch triggering the bomb to detonate and when we say bomb here we actually we're actually talking about a series of bombs buried under the road now aside from all this zodiac also denies responsibility for a recent police station bombing to be fair though it's not clear to us that the zodiac was even a suspect or needed to deny responsibility for this crime? I mean, at any rate, Zodiac proclaims there is more glory in killing a cop 
than killing a kid because a cop can shoot back. Of course, there's also the usual taunts in this letter from the Zodiac referring to the cops as blue meanies, pigs, and blue pigs. A little over a week later, on April 28, 1970, the Chronicle got another card from the Zodiac. Much like the first card, the washed pen card, that is, this card is clearly intended to be humorous. Also like the pen card, this one is of questionable humor. Once again, bunkfunkers, you be the judge. The card shows two old-timey prospectors clearly pandering to the San Francisco Gold Rush crowd. One prospector is seated on a donkey, and the other has mounted a dragon. The pre-printed text on the card reads, quote, sorry to hear your ass is a dragon, end quote. And I just have to say, the prospectors are drawn in a way like somebody took their picture without warning, but it was the first time they'd ever seen or heard of a camera. They have these... These blank, expressionless faces. I mean, what were they doing right before this image? Did the artist walk in on them talking about their repressed sexual feelings for one another? Who knows? I mean, beyond the prospectors, though, the animals don't look so good either. The donkey and the dragon both look very sad, weak, overworked. The dragon can't even keep its tongue in its mouth. Also, in terms of marketability, when would you send a card like this? Sorry to hear is starting off like a sympathy card. Like maybe you'd send it to someone who just had surgery, but then your ass is a dragon makes it seem like just like you're tired. Sorry to hear you're tired. I could send a card like this to everyone I know every day and it would be relevant, I guess. But why would I? I don't know. Maybe you send it to someone who had surgery on their butt and their butt cheeks got deflated and then the skin hangs down and now it isn't plump and full of fat. Jesus Christ. I don't know about this card. It's a birthday card, Andy. So your ass is a dragon? Yeah, sorry to hear this. your ass is a dragon because you're getting old and your ass is dragging on the floor. <laughs> That's what it's about? Your de- ass. That's what I think. All right, so it's a deflated ass card. <laughs> sorry your ass yeah, got deflated. De- <laughs> well, choice of card aside. In the message written on the front of the card, Zodiac writes, quote, I hope you enjoy yourselves when I have my blast, end quote. On the back of the card, Zodiac says to avoid the blast, two things must happen. All the details of the bus bomb must be published and, quote, I would like to see some nice Zodiac buttons wandering about town, end quote. Basically, Zodiac wants people wearing buttons with the Zodiac crossed circle symbol on them. Frankly, as we'll see, this is kind of an obsession for Zodiac. In this card, Zodiac cites examples of other buttons that people were wearing at the time. One example Zodiac gives is buttons that say, quote, Melvin eats blubber. Now, to my knowledge, there were not ever actually buttons that said Melvin eats blubber. There were, however, buttons that said Melville eats blubber, a reference presumably to Herman Melville and Moby Dick. Uh, Zodiac changed it to Melvin, supposedly, I mean, this is what we think, as a dig at Melvin Belly. Zodiac goes on to say, quote, Well, it would cheer me up considerably if I saw a lot of people wearing my button. Please no nasty ones like Melvin's. Thank you. End quote. On June 26, 1970, the Chronicle got yet another letter from Zodiac. In this letter, Zodiac is fucking pissed off that nobody is wearing Zodiac buttons. The Zodiac writes, I have become very upset with the people of San Fran Bay Area. They have not, not is underlined in the text, compiled with my wishes to wear them 
for them to wear some nice, than the Zodiac symbol, buttons, end quote. Zodiac reminds the Chronicle that the punishment for not seeing people wearing Zodiac buttons was a bomb attack on a school bus. Zodiac laments that school is out, so the bus plan cannot be brought to fruition. But Zodiac then says that the people of the Bay Area were punished in a different way by Zodiac using a 38 caliber gun to shoot a man sitting in a parked car. Now, this is now allegedly bringing this Zodiac self-proclaimed murder total to 12. This letter also included a map with a Zodiac symbol right over Mount Diablo. Zodiac said the map, in conjunction with a 33-character cipher included in the letter, which would, uh, would lead to where the bomb was set. Zodiac also warned, you have until next fall to dig it up. The cipher, called Z33, is like some of the others in that it remains unsolved to this day. The map itself is also somewhat mysterious. The Zodiac symbol on Mount Diablo has an arrow pointing up at the top, so it kind of looks a lot like a compass. Again, this is also kind of hard to describe, so, you know, check out those show notes if you want to see it visually. At the top of the point of the Zodiac symbol, the pointing arrow, which would also be north on a compass, um, there is a zero. At the eastern point, there is a number three, at the southern point, a number six, and at the west point, a number nine. Number nine. Number nine. Number nine. Sorry, Andy, I don't get that reference. Um, <laughs> this map... <laughs> uh, this map also included... I, I, I don't know if I did that right. I mean, I don't... Oh, you did, you did very well for not getting it. I, I, okay. didn't, I didn't know that. I didn't... Kind of didn't expect that you would, but... Yeah, well, you know. Anyway. This map also included a note next to the zero that read... It must, it, it is to be set to mag N, which, you know, we can presume probably means magnetic north. Thanks, Zodiac. On, Ju- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> On July 24th, 1970, which was a few months after Kathleen Johns was abducted, the San Francisco Chronicle gets another letter from Zodiac, which starts off, surprise, surprise, complaining about people not wearing Zodiac buttons. Zodiac writes, quote, this is the Zodiac speaking. I am rather unhappy because you people will not wear some nice than the Zodiac symbol buttons and quote Zodiac will not let this button thing go. The letter goes on, quote, so now I have a little list starting with the women and women by the women is misspelled. First of all, it's W O E M E N. And second of all, Zodiac clearly meant to say woman, uh, So going on this quote, I'm just going to read it now. There's another spelling mistake later on, uh, and that's just for color. But this here's what here's what it says. Quote. So now I have a little list starting with the women and her baby that gave a rather interesting ride for a couple of hours one evening a few months back that ended in my burning her car where I found them. End quote. By Zodiac standards, this is a pretty short note, but there's a bit to unpack here. First of all, clearly, it seems that Zodiac is referencing the Kathleen Johns abduction. Obviously, Kathleen Johns claimed that her abductor matched the Zodiac composite sketch, but a link had not been firmly established. This letter is the first time Zodiac takes credit uh, for the abduction. Zodiac also uses the phrase little list, which uh, admittedly on the surface seems pretty innocuous. And ultimately, maybe it is. Nevertheless, it's interesting. Little list 
is a reference to the Gilbert and Sullivan opera called The Mikado. If you're not familiar with The Mikado, here's a quick summary of the plot. It's set in the fictional Japanese town of Titipu. Nanki-Pu, a handsome vagrant minstrel, appears, asking about a woman he loves, Yum Yum, who is supposed to marry Koko, the Lord High Executioner of Titipu, that very same day. When Koko makes his entrance on stage, he sings a song about a bunch of types of people who wouldn't be missed if they were executed. Koko uses the phrase Little List to describe this collection of people seen fit for execution. All right, so I'm going to really speed uh, through the rest of this now. So it turns out Nanki-Poo is the Mikado's son, the Mikado being the emperor of Japan, and he's on the run from Kataisha, an older lady in his father's court who wants to marry him. Katisha shows up, sees Nanki-Poo getting ready to marry Yum-Yum, gets pissed, vows revenge, brings the Mikado to Titipu, where through a series of hilarious events, Koko tells the Mikado that Nanki-Poo was executed. At the end of the day, Koko marries Katisha to keep her from marrying Nanki-Poo, and Yum-Yum and Nanki-Poo get married. Everyone sings and lives happily ever after. All right. Well, thanks for joining us on another episode of Mr. Monocle's Opera Time. <laughs> oh, jolly good. So, <laughs> the show has the show has the show has ended. Anyhow, so one thing we should say is that the Mikado is a comedy. It, it really is. I mean, it deals <laughs> with a lot of death, but in a humorous way, mostly by minimizing the serious of death, Isn't the seriousness that so of death. Funny. Um, <laughs> That is just, I mean, much like those greeting cards. Yeah. <laughs> uh, one example is Coco describing executing himself as quote unquote awkward, uh, which I guess is kind of the basis of most Zoomer humor today anyway. So <laughs> right, yeah. um, maybe we'll see well a in- Zoomer rendition of the Mikado that'll really, uh, yeah. really strike a chord. Yeah. The Mikado might make so its way something- into meme culture. Yeah, that's right. Um, something about the musical must have spoken to the Zodiac. I wonder what it was. <laughs> what kind it of clearly had an impact because this is the next Zodiac letter, which was sent to the Chronicle on July 26, 1970, didn't just contain a passing reference to the Mikado, but devoted two and a half pages of the five-page missive uh, to recite lyrics to a song from the show called As Someday It May Happen, end quote. Uh, which is the song about the little list. So in addition to the uh, song lyrics, Zodiac is still going on about the goddamn motherfucking buttons. Jesus I mean, Christ. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> Sadly, though, this is a somewhat defeated Zodiac. Uh, I mean, don't show Zodiac any sympathy. <laughs> the letter says, quote, being that you will not wear some nice Zodiac symbol buttons, how about wearing some nasty Zodiac symbol buttons? or any type of Zodiac symbol, buttons that you can think up, end quote. Zodiac doesn't even care what kind of Zodiac buttons you wear. Just wear some damn buttons, please. I mean, kind of pathetic if you ask me. Mm-hmm. Yep. The, uh, the letter says if people don't start wearing buttons, Zodiac promises to, quote, on top of everything else, torture all 13 slaves that I have waiting, misspelled, for me in paradise, also misspelled, end quote. Zodiac threatens to tie some over anthills, drive pine splinters under some of their nails, and burn them, lock some in cages, and feed them salt beef until they beg for water, at which point Zodiac laughs at them. He says he'll hang some by their thumbs in the sun until burnt. Some will be skinned alive, and, quote, and all billiard players 
I shall have them play in a darkened dungeon cell with crooked cues and twisted shoes, end quote. Now that is some sick fucking shit. The letter ends with a clue to aid in solving the previous map slash cipher sent to the Chronicle. Quote, P.S. The Mount Diablo code concerns radians and inches along the radians, end quote. After a bit of a break, Zodiac seemed to pick up communication again on October 5th, 1970, this time with a postcard sent once again to the Chronicle. This is an unusual one for Zodiac. The text of the message was pieced together from text clipped out of other sources. The message possibly alludes to the Zodiac taking a 13th victim by saying, quote, the pace isn't any slower. In fact, it's just one big 13th, end quote, and quote, some of them fought it was horrible, end quote. Though this seems like a Zodiac-type message, uh, and the postcard bore the Zodiac symbol, it's not been definitively proven to be an actual legitimate Zodiac message. The next generally accepted Zodiac communication came on October 27th, 1970, in the form of a Halloween card sent to Paul Avery, a Chronicle reporter who covered the Zodiac case. The card arrived at its destination even though Zodiac misspelled Avery's name as Averly on the envelope. Among other things, the inside of the card has the word, the, the word quote, 14, but it's a number four dash the word teen, uh, written seemingly indicating that the Zodiac was claiming 14 victims at this point. The inside of the card also, again, uses the word game to describe the Zodiac's activities. The back of the card itself and the back of the envelope also have uh, interesting messages. The back of the envelope has the phrase, sorry, no cipher, written twice, arranged like a letter X. The back of the card has the word paradise, again misspelled, and slaves arranged as a cross at the middle letter A in each word. So the word paradise is uh, vertical and the word slaves is horizontal and they share a common A in the middle of each word. Uh, in the quadrants that are left around those two words, it's written by fire, by gun, by knife, and by rope. One of those in each quadrant. Now, after another period of quiet, Zodiac popped up again on March 13th, 1971, sending a letter to the Los Angeles Times. Finally, the Chronicle mailroom gets a friggin' break. Whew. They need it. Now, why the change in newspaper? Well, according to Zodiac, quote, the reason I'm writing to the Times is this. They don't bury me on the back pages like some of the others, end quote. Such a prima donna. This letter, yeah, <laughs> such a baby. This letter starts off by, uh, with taunting the police, challenging them to, quote, get off their fat asses and do something because the longer they fiddle and fart around, the more slaves I will collect for my afterlife, end quote. Zodiac then sends something interesting. He says, uh, quote, I do have to give them credit for stumbling across my Riverside activity, but they are only finding the easy ones. There are a hell of a lot more down there, end quote. And we mentioned earlier that there are some other possible Zodiac victims which have not been definitively linked to the Zodiac. The reference in this letter to, quote, Riverside activity is, uh, it seems, likely to be a reference to one of those victims. Specifically, Sherry Josephine, uh, we'll call her Sherry Joe Bates, 
an 18-year-old Riverside City College, or RCC, student. On October 30th, 1966, that is about four and a half years before the letter was sent to the LA Times, Sherry Jo left a note for her father, who she lived with, that she was going to the RCC library. The next day, October 31st, 1966, Sherry Jo's red Volkswagen Beetle was found abandoned in the library parking lot. Sherry Jo's body was found lying nearby between two houses. Sherry Jo had been stabbed several times and her throat had been slashed. Interestingly, Sherry Jo's purse was intact, indicating that this was not a robbery. There was also no evidence of sexual assault. Police in Riverside found a men's Timex watch at the crime scene, the origin of which was eventually traced to a military post, possibly in England. Police also found a military boot print and some hairs and dried blood on Sherry Joe's hand. Despite this evidence, the case went unsolved. Then, on November 29, 1966, about a month after Sherry Joe's murder, the Riverside Police Department and the Riverside Press Enterprise newspaper both received typewritten confession letters. This, the letters start off, quote, She was young and beautiful, but now she is battered and dead. She is not the first, and she will not be the last, end quote. The letters then go on to describe details of the case that had not yet been released to the public. Specifically, the letters mention that Sherry Joe's car was disabled by pulling a distributor wire, thereby killing the car's battery. The author then says they waited for Sherry Joe to leave the library, followed her to her car, offered to help by giving her a ride in their car that was a short walk away. While walking... The author says they remarked that, quote, it was about time. The author then says, quote, she asked me about time for what? I said it was about time for her to die, end quote. The letters then describe the murder. The letters also indicate a past history between Sherry Joe and the author. The letters say, quote, only one thing was on my mind making her pay for the brush-offs that she had given me during the years prior. End quote. There are some Zodiac-esque parts as well. I mean, aside from basically everything else we just mentioned. Uh, for one, the author writes, quote, I am not sick. I am insane. But that will not stop the game. End quote. The author also suggests the newspaper should publish the letter as a warning to other women. The letters also say if the letters are not published... And the warning not heeded that more murders, quote, will be on your conscience, not mine. End quote. The letters end with this, quote, beware, I am stalking your girls now. End quote. In addition to the confession letters, in December of 1966, a desk that was in storage at the RCC library, but which used to be on the library floor, was discovered to have a a morbid poem scratched into the underside. While this poem often gets attributed to the Zodiac, well, this is this it's disputed. Uh, the poem is titled Sick of Living Slash Unwilling to Die. And it goes like this. Cut. Clean. If red, clean. Blood spurting, dripping, spilling all over her new dress. Oh well. It was red anyway. Life draining into an uncertain death. She won't die. This time, someone will find her. Just wait till next time. The poem is signed with the initials R.H. 
Then, on April 30th, 1967, three more letters were sent, this time handwritten, one each to the Riverside Police, the Riverside Free Enterprise Paper, and Sherry Jo Bates's father, Joseph Bates. All three letters were signed with a funky little character next to it that kind of resembles a letter Z, or Z, for our UK listeners. These characters were very short, and, or I'm sorry, these letters were very short and all said essentially the same thing. The letters sent to the Press Enterprise and Riverside PD said, quote, Bates had to die there. Will be, Bates had to die, there will be more. End quote. The letter sent to Joseph Bates said, she had to die, there will be more. End quote. While we mentioned that Sherry Joe's murder had not been definitively leaked, uh, linked to Zodiac, in 1969, Riverside Police contacted investigators in Northern California about the similarities between the Zodiac murders and that of Sherry Joe Bates. Sherwood Morrill, you remember, the documents examiner for the California Department of Justice. Sherwood Morrill determined that the Zodiac was responsible for the notes linked to the Bates case. Paul Avery, you remember him too, the San Francisco Chronicle reporter. Paul Avery first reported on the link between Zodiac and the Sherry Joe Bates murder. After Avery's report, Zodiac's letter arrived at the LA Times. Interestingly, after initially deciding that Zodiac was responsible for Sherry Joe's murder, Riverside police later recanted the Zodiac connection, instead choosing to focus their investigation on a man they said was a jilted former lover of Sherry Joe's. Not to spoil the whole thing here, but in the 1990s, the DNA of this suspect was tested against DNA obtained from the hairs recovered from the crime scene, which were found on Sherry Joe's hand, uh, which were presumably the attacker's. The DNA test determined the suspect was not a match. Wow, thanks, Maori. Thanks, Maury Povich. All right, bunk funkers. We're going to mess with the timeline a little bit here, but, uh, you know, this is a good opportunity to talk about uh, two other murders which are believed to be connected to the Zodiac. And, uh, which, you know, again, these are not definitively proven. These happened even earlier than 1966, which means we have to go back even before the murder of Sherry Joe Sherry jo Bates. All the way back to 1963, June 4th, 1963 to be exact. On that date, uh, 18-year-old Robert Domingos and his 17-year-old fiance Linda Edwards, were cutting class from their school, Lompoc High, participating in a classic Senior Ditch Day, a.k.a. Senior Skip Day, you know. Rather than join their classmates in the event, the couple decided to spend the day alone on a secluded stretch of beach south of Gaviota, California. The attacker apparently approached the pair while they were sunbathing. Linda Edwards was forced, at gunpoint, to bind Robert Domingos uh, with lengths of, of narrow rope, which were likely pre-cut. Both Linda and Robert tried to flee the scene and were shot multiple times. Robert was shot 11 times and Linda was shot 9 times. Police determined that the weapon used was a 22 caliber semi-automatic, uh, likely a rifle. The ammunition used was Winchester Super X copper-coated long rifle bullets. There is no indication of robbery or sexual molestation. There were no witnesses. Interestingly, 
Robert and Linda's bodies were dragged about 30 feet away from the scene to an empty shack, which was occasionally occupied by drifters. Linda was placed face up on top of Robert, and the top of her bathing suit was cut open to expose her breasts. The, uh, it was determined that the killer attempted to set the shack on fire with wooden matches, but was unable to do so. Again, these are not confirmed Zodiac murders, but the similarities are uncanny, especially when you consider the details of the attack on Cecilia Shepard and Brian Hartnell at Lank Berryessa in 1969. Consider also that the ammunition used in these slayings was the same Zodiac used in the murders of David Faraday and Betty Lou Jensen. Now, in 1972, the Santa Barbara County Sheriff's Department issued a press release to try to conclusively link Zodiac to the murders of Linda Edwards and Robert Domingos. Obviously, though, these murders have not been conclusively linked to the Zodiac. So let's go back even further, shall we? Back to April 10th, 1962, Ray Davis, a 27-year-old taxicab driver who had just moved to Oceanside, California from Michigan in January 1962, picked up a fare in downtown Oceanside at about 11.10 p.m. The next day, April 11, 1962, Ray Davis's body was found in the upscale Oceanside neighborhood called St. Malo. Authorities found that Davis had been shot twice from behind, once in the head and once in the back. Davis's body was dumped in an alley, and the killer drove the cab away from the scene before abandoning it. Davis wasn't robbed, and there were no witnesses. What's interesting here are a few things. First, the weapon used was a 22 caliber, and the ammunition was of the long rifle variety. Obviously, the caliber of weapon and ammunition type are identical to the Faraday-Jensen murders. Perhaps even more interesting, the day before the murder, April 9, 1962, Oceanside Police received an anonymous phone call warning the police that the caller would commit a crime. After Davis's body was found, Oceanside police got a call from the killer, taking credit for the murder and threatening to kill a random bus driver. There are some eerie similarities to other Zodiac murders here, especially Faraday Jensen and Paul Stein, but the connection was never investigated by law enforcement. Though, finally, in early 2020, it was reported that Oceanside police are looking into the connection. Perhaps this will turn out to be the Zodiac's very first victim. All right, so we messed with the timeline and went back deeper into the 60s to talk about some potential Zodiac victims. Now we need to jump ahead to get back where we left the story. If you recall how we got here, it was through talking about the letter Zodiac sent to the LA Times in March of 1971, which possibly referenced the murder of Sherry Jo Bates. Well, only a little over a week later, on March 22nd, 1971, Paul Avery of the San Francisco Chronicle got a postcard from the Zodiac. Like the Halloween card sent to Avery in October 1970, this one also misspelled his name as Averly. The return address on the envelope just said Zodiac above a Zodiac symbol. Similar to the suspected Zodiac postcard from earlier in October 1970, the text on the March 71 postcard was also cut from other sources. The text itself is pretty simple. Sierra Club is near the top left over the image of a snowy mountain town. Lower into the left and upside down is, quote, around in the snow. At the bottom of the postcard, it says, quote, sought victim 12, P. 
peak through the pines, past Lake Tahoe areas, and then there's a zodiac symbol. Uh, naturally, this was thought to be Zodiac uh, talking about a 12th victim, even though previous communications had indicated 14 victims. Well, regardless of the body count, this postcard leads us to another possible Zodiac victim, 25-year-old Donna Lass. In May 1970, Donna Lass was working in San Francisco, California at Letterman General Hospital, which is in what's now Presidio Park in San Francisco. So this was close to where Paul Stein was murdered. Now, later in 1970, Donna moved to the South Lake Tahoe, California area, where she started working as a nurse at the Sahara Hotel and Casino. On September 6, 1970, Donna made her last entry in the logbook at work at 1.50 a.m. At some point after that, Donna last vanished. Her car was found abandoned near her apartment in the Monteverde complex in Stateline, Nevada. The next day, an unidentified man called Donna's employer and landlord to tell them that Donna had a family emergency and wouldn't return. The information was false, as confirmed by Donna's family. Donna was never heard from again, and if she was murdered, her body has never been found. After Donna Lass's disappearance, anonymously created reward posters began circulating in the Lake Tahoe area. The poster contained a cipher which allegedly would lead to something. You know, possibly Donna Lass's body, possibly something else. The Tahoe police decoded the message, but the directions were jumbled, and the police were unable to determine the location that was referenced. While this case has possible Zodiac involvement and even, even some geographic connection, the details don't seem very Zodiac. It seems almost out of character for what we know about the Zodiac to abduct someone from their home. Uh, we may never definitively know if Zodiac was involved, or if it was even the actual Zodiac killer who sent the postcard. So Donna Lass is maybe a, a tenuous Zodiac connection, but let's look at connections that are even more tenuous than that. On April 1st, 1973, the Albany Times Union newspaper received a letter bearing a Zodiac symbol as the return address. The letter starts off, quote, You were wrong. I am not dead or in the hospital. I am alive and well, and I'm going to start killing again. End quote. The letter had a 50-character cipher at the bottom, which, according to the author, contained the name of the writer's next victim. The letter says the victim will be killed August 10th at 5 p.m., quote, when the shift change, end quote. The cipher was decoded by the FBI, but the first part of the decoded cipher has not been released to the public. So what we have of this cipher is quote, redacted, Albany Medical Center. This is only the beginning, end quote. Investigators looking into this letter did not identify any murders that matched the description given in the letter. Uh, Elaine Page, a handwriting analyst, determined the Albany letter was written by the same author as other Zodiac letters. Other handwriting experts who examined the letter, though, were less certain. Uh, they couldn't match the Zodiac author, but they also couldn't eliminate the Zodiac author either. Now, back on the West Coast, the San Francisco Chronicle got another letter attributed to Zodiac on January 29th, 1974. Now, the letter begins with a review of the movie The Exorcist. That's right, the famous uh, movie about uh, that, that exorcism of... Uh, what was it? Linda Blair, I think was the... Uh, 
character's name. Now, the author writes that it, quote, was the best satirical comedy, misspelled, that I have ever seen, end quote. The letter then has lyrics from the song On a Tree by the River from The Mikado. The letter then asks for publication of the letter, or the author will, quote, do something nasty, end quote. At the end, there's a scoreboard of sorts, which says, quote, me-37. Underneath, it says, quote, SFPD-0. The scorekeeping is a common element of Zodiac letters and is suspected to mean a count of victims. It's, uh, if that's the case, then clearly by 1974, Zodiac was claiming to have killed 37 victims. A couple of weeks later on Valentine's Day, aww, February 14th, for those of you that don't know what Valentine's Day is, um, 1974, <laughs> 1974, the Chronicle gets yet another postcard, um, which also may have been from the Zodiac, though that's never been definitively substantiated. It's a short one. All it says is this, quote, Dear Mr. Editor, did you know that the initials SLA, which stands for, I'm uh, sorry, D- dear Mr. Editor, did you know that the initials SLA, Symbionese Liberation Army, spell SLA, an Old Norse word meaning kill? The note is signed, quote, a friend. For you youngsters out there, The Symbionese Liberation Army was a radical far-left terrorist organization active in the mid-1970s in the USA. They were famous for, among other things, kidnapping media heiress Patty Hearst. Anyway, on May 8th, 1974, the Chronicle got a card which was signed, quote, a citizen. The card chided the paper for running ads for the movie Badlands, a 1973 film starring Martin Sheen and Sissy Spacek, which was the big screen debut for both Charlie Sheen and Emilio Estevez. The film is a fictional story loosely based on Charles Starkweather and Carol Ann Fugate's murder spree in 1958. The suspected Zodiac letter bemoans the, quote, murder glorification, end quote, of the film and implores the Chronicle to cut ads for the movie. On July 8, 1974, the Chronicle received another letter, sometimes attributed to the Zodiac. The letter was signed, quote, the Red Phantom, parentheses, red with rage, end quote. The letter asks for the paper to cancel the advice column written by Count Marco Spinelli. The author believes that Spinelli, quote, has a serious psychological disorder, always needs to feel superior, end quote. Apparently, the letter worked. To be honest, Spinelli retired a few days later, realizing he might have been threatened by the Zodiac. Oh, if only things had gone so well with the Zodiac buttons. (laughs) Though other alleged Zodiac letters have been received since 1974, most have been deemed to be forgeries. And that's it. The mysterious Zodiac killer has never been definitively identified and officially disappeared by 1974. Even though nobody is in custody for the murders, there are definitely some suspects. So we're going to talk about some of the most likely known candidates. And we'll start with the most prominent suspect and uh, the most unfortunately named, at least in my opinion. (laughs) I didn't even think about that. That's funny. (laughs) Arthur Lay Allen. (laughs) Now, Allen is the suspect put forth by Robert Graysmith, a former San Francisco Chronicle cartoonist who went on to write the book 
Zodiac. Alan was a person of interest in the Zodiac murders from pretty early on, being interviewed by police multiple times, as well as having multiple search warrants executed against him. On the day of the attack on Cecilia Shepard and Brian Hartnell, Arthur Leigh Allen was reportedly in the vicinity of Lake Berryessa, though Allen said he was scuba diving at another park that day. One of Allen's friends, Don Don Chaney, uh, went to the police in 1971, claiming that in 1969, Allen expressed a desire to kill and asked to be called the Zodiac. Allen allegedly had a military background, something that the Zodiac is also suspected of having. Allen was an elementary school teacher before being fired in 1968 after being accused of molesting students. And, well, in 1974, Allen pleaded guilty to child molestation charges and served two years in prison. Now, a fellow inmate said that Allen admitted killing Paul Stein. No Zodiac letters, and this is important to note, no Zodiac letters were sent while Allen was behind bars. In 1991, Mike Majot identified Allen as the shooter who attacked him and Darlene Ferrin. Majot made the identification after being shown a photo lineup by Vallejo PD. Majot said he hadn't ever identified Allen before because he'd never been shown pictures of suspects, only asked if he recognized certain names. Some of the other evidence for Allen is, well, a little less solid. Things like... He owned a Zodiac brand watch. He lived in Vallejo. He had some kind of typewriter used to type the letters sent to police and media following uh, Sherry Joe Bates's murder. He told police his favorite book was The Most Dangerous Game, uh, that police found dissected animals, bloody knives, bombs, bomb plans, and Zodiac killer videos while searching Allen's home. The evidence against Allen is pretty straightforward. In 2002, the San Francisco police got a Partial DNA profile from saliva on stamps and envelopes of Zodiac letters. The DNA was compared to Allen's and determined to not be a match. Don Chaney uh, was also tested because there was a hypothesis that Allen was committing the crimes, but, you know, had somebody else, possibly Chaney, uh, Chaney, uh, is it Chaney? Like Dick Chaney? Am I saying it wrong? (laughs) No, I think it's Chaney. Yeah, Chaney was actually writing the letters. Cheney's DNA, though, was also not a match. So Allen's fingerprints were compared against the prints on Paul Stein's taxi and were, again, not a match. And Allen's palm print was also compared to the one found on a Zodiac letter. It was also not a match. Furthermore, Lloyd Cunningham, a retired police handwriting expert, received lots of samples of Arthur Lay Allen's handwriting. Cunningham says that none of Allen's handwriting was a match to the writing on the Zodiac letters. The next suspect on our little list is Lawrence Kane, sometimes Lawrence K, or maybe other names too. Kane was in a car crash in 1962 and suffered brain damage. A psychologist who examined Kane after the crash said he was, quote, losing the ability to control self-gratification, end quote. A feeling I know all too well. Darlene Farron's sister claims that Kane harassed Darlene in the time leading up to Darlene's murder. Kathleen Johns picked Kane out of a photo out of a photo lineup as the man who abducted her and her baby. Additionally, Kane moved to Lake Tahoe in 1970 and worked at the Sahara, same as Donna Lass. In fact, 
Kane was in proximity to all the official Zodiac slangs. Kane served in the Naval Reserves and went to Navy Radio School, which included cipher training. If you recall, Zodiac sent a cipher and a map with a compass-like symbol centered on Mount Diablo. Mount Diablo was home to a Navy relay station, basically a naval message hub where likely coded messages would have been sent for transmission to the fleet at sea. Kane was no stranger to law enforcement either, being arrested multiple times, including for crimes like peeping and prowling. In fact, Kane was even arrested in 1949 in Albany, New York, on the charge of grand larceny. Some in law enforcement, like retired Vallejo police officer Ed Rust, believe Kane was the Zodiac. Rust was one of the first officers on the scene after the attacks on Darlene Farron and Mike Majot, and Rust continued to keep a file of information on Zodiac. Rust also believes that Kane was responsible for Donna Lass's disappearance. Rust identified Lake Tahoe residents Larry Lowe and his wife, who lived with Donna Lass at one point. According to Larry Lowe, he owned a tropical fish store where Lawrence Kane was a frequent customer. Larry even went to Lawrence's house to help with his fish and tanks. While in Kane's house, Lowe noticed an astrology calendar plaque on the wall. Kane revealed that he was raised by his mother, who lived in the San Francisco Bay Area, and that Kane visited her often, like once or twice a month. Some people have even described Kane as obsessed with his mother, making him indifferent to other women. Probably the biggest issue with Kane as a suspect is that he doesn't really fit the physical description of the Zodiac. During the height of the Zodiac's crimes, Kane was 45 years old. He was 5 feet 9 inches tall and weighed about 160 pounds. Of note here is that Kane's DNA and fingerprints have not been tested against Zodiac's DNA or prints. Now let's talk about Ross Sullivan. Sullivan worked at the Riverside City College Library, which is the last place uh, Sherry Jo Bates was seen alive. Though Sherry Jo's murder is no longer considered a, quote, official Zodiac murder, you know, as we've already mentioned, there are clearly some striking similarities to other Zodiac attacks. Given Sullivan's job and that he was a student at RCC, it's entirely possible, though not proven, that Ross Sullivan knew Sherry Jo uh, Bates personally. Speaking of Sullivan's time at RCC, uh, it's worth mentioning that Sullivan was a cryptology enthusiast and took cryptology classes at RCC. We've mentioned that Sherry Jo's body was found between two houses. Apparently, those houses were vacant at the time of the murder. This suggests the killer knew that fact and selected the spot for the murder precisely because the houses were vacant. To minimize potential witnesses, um, also, uh, the RCC library kept books in the vacant houses. Uh, library employees frequently went between the houses and the library ferrying books. Sullivan wore a crew cut, had thick-rimmed glasses. I mean, those are both, both fit somewhat of the physical description of the Zodiac. Library co-workers say he wore basically the same clothes every day, an army jacket and military-style boots, also similar um, to those that made the prints found at the Riverside and Lake Berryessa crime scenes. Sullivan's co-workers at the library said he disappeared for a bit after Sherry Joe's murder. Then he reappeared, without warning, wearing a totally different style of clothes. More circumstantially, in 1966, the same year as Sherry Joe's murder, Sullivan was involved in the production of a movie about a murder. In the movie, Sullivan played the role of the murderer. <laughs> Apparently, the production was so realistic 
that the police were called to investigate. In 1967, Sullivan moved to Northern California. He was arrested in Santa Cruz in 1968 for bizarre behavior. Now, interestingly, as circumstantial evidence, the Mikado happened to be running in Santa Cruz at the time. So tickets for the show were sold, among other places, at a stationery store called uh, Palace Stationers. Palace Stationers ran an ad around the time, but before the Zodiac became pop culture, for, quote, Zodiac Stationery. There was also text layout in other ad. There was also text layout in another ad that matched the layout of the Zodiac Halloween card, the uh, the Paradise misspelled slaves crossword card. Uh, the shop was also nearby to Sullivan's apartment. Now Sullivan was hospitalized multiple times for bipolar disorder and schizophrenia. In addition to all this, Sullivan's description matches that of the Zodiac, and frankly. It looks like the composite sketch. Now, one mark against Sullivan is that he doesn't have a military background. The Zodiac has long been suspected of being formerly in the military. Honestly, there are a lot of suspects in the Zodiac case. They run the gamut from good to pretty far out, man. These three are probably three of the most prominent, interesting suspects, but in the interest of the whole enchilada, we're going to briefly look into some other suspects. First, let's talk about Richard Gajkowski. Gajkowski worked for a contemporary San Francisco anti-police, pro-violence, counterculture newspaper called Good Times. Good Times ran a few fictional pieces that bore similarities to actual crimes committed by Zodiac. One of Gajkowski's former co-workers, who goes by the name Goldcatcher, originally suggested Gajkowski as a suspect and has even provided recordings of Gajkowski's voice. Nancy Slover, the police dispatcher who took the call from the Zodiac following the Farron Majot attacks, said that Gajkowski's voice matched that of the caller that night. Apparently, Gajkowski liked to abbreviate his last name in multiple ways, and one of those abbreviations appears in a Zodiac cipher in which the Zodiac claimed their true identity could be found. Gajkowski even looks like the Zodiac composite. Gajkowski was briefly investigated in the 1980s as a suspect. Uh, during interviews, Gajkowski told police he was out of the country during the first official Zodiac attack on David Faraday and Betty Lou Jensen. He couldn't produce his passport information to confirm that. Uh, in the in the time since then, this information has allegedly been recovered, showing that Gajkowski was actually in the USA at the time of the murders. Unfortunately, ultimately, police never had enough evidence to arrest Gajkowski, and in 2004, declined to test his DNA against the Zodiac's DNA. Another somewhat famous suspect is Earl Van Best Jr., Van Best was proposed by his son, Gary Stewart, who says his father resembled the Zodiac composite, lived in California during the Zodiac murders, had an interest in cryptology, enjoyed the works of Gilbert and Sullivan, and was an acquaintance of a Manson family member. Van Best went to jail for the statutory rape of Stewart's mother. Uh, Van Best was 28 and Stewart's mother was 13. Paul Avery wrote some articles about Stewart's parents and their relationship, so Van Best might have had a grudge. Stewart also says his father's initials are in a Zodiac cipher. Despite the attention Van Best has gotten, there's even an FX show about it, there are some real issues. Stewart's cipher-cracking method was questionable. 
Uh, Van Best's fingerprint was similar to Zodiac's, but only if it was reversed. The handwriting on Van Best's marriage certificate has been cited as similar to the Zodiac's. Even even if it is, though, the, the minister wrote on the certificate, not Van Best himself. Some other famous suspects have also been suggested as the true identity of the Zodiac over the years. Names like Ted Kaczynski, Ted Bundy, who who was actually cleared in the attacks on Cecilia Shepard and Brian Hartnell, by the way, thanks to fingerprint evidence. Uh, multiple murderer Ed Edwards, whom we've discussed before. And George Hodel, whose son Steve Hodel has accused him, uh, frankly, a lot of crimes, including the Black Dahlia killer. So those are the crimes and some of the most prominent suspects in the case, but... You know, there's still some odds and ends to go to. Uh, Bunk Funkers, think of this as like a nice little sprinkle of cheese or cilantro or ooh, maybe even a squeeze of lime juice on the whole enchilada before we bring it to the table. Uh, in 2017, the History Channel took a break from airing Pawn Stars and aired five <laughs> episodes of a new show called The Hunt for the Zodiac Killer. The show uncovered some interesting physical evidence determining publicly for the first time that the gloves found in Paul Stein's cab um, had one DNA profile on the outside, Paul Stein's, and another DNA profile on the inside. The profiles were also more complete than those obtained from stamps or other sources. This information could lead to greater DNA testing, though no conclusive results have, as of this recording, yet been announced. Remember the uh, jumbled directions obtained from the cipher on anonymously created uh, Donna Lass reward posters? Well, the investigators in the history series actually unjumbled the directions and went to the spot, which was in the mountains near Donner Pass, named for the uh, the ill-fated Donner Party. Um, the team used corpse-sniffing dogs to search the area. Three separate dogs identified one specific spot indicating the strong possibility of human remains. The team dug at the site, but, well, they failed to find any remains, let alone those of Donna Lass. One other interesting thing about the series is the involvement of Carmel, a supercomputer at the University of Southern California, USC, that's been used before to help crack codes. They actually actually call it Carmel. (laughs) No, not Carmel. It's Carmel. I'm not one of these caramel guys, Andy. It's caramel. It's not even spelled like caramel, though. I don't. I don't give a shit. The bunk fuckers don't need to know that. Yeah. Carmel. What are you selling me? What is it? Carmel. Carmel. Jeez. Whatever. Get over yourself. You. Su- this fucking supercomputer thinks it's so super. This is a super call a different computer. name. Not a computer. A supercomputer. Yeah. Carmel was utilized in a attempt to finally definitively solve the uncracked Zodiac ciphers. As part of this process, the team working with Carmel input data to help the computer think like the Zodiac. (laughs) Now, I don't know about you, Bunk Funkers, but that seems like a pretty bad idea to me. You're going to regret making fun (laughs) of the computer's name. (laughs) Yeah, I am now. (laughs) Carmel found some interesting patterns and connections in the ciphers, including extracting the name Connie Henley from the Albany Cipher. The name Connie Henley, however, did not bring investigators any closer to unraveling the mystery of the Albany letter. Unsurprisingly, Carmel was uh, also started doing some, well, weird stuff, like writing murder poetry. <laughs> On October 30th, 
2017, Carmel wrote the following poem, quote, Through the taxi and the prison break, alone and angry at a brutal murder, surrounded by an artificial lake, never, never a convicted murderer. Like an aggravated battery, a world of pain and murder, gunman kills. Apparently, Carmel went on to write a whole bunch of other murder poems. <laughs> USC professor Kevin Knight, who works with Carmel, said, uh, quote, You should have seen it before we took the curse words out. <laughs> Very cool. Very cool. I definitely can't wait for Carmel to become sentient and pick up right after where the Zodiac left off. <laughs> Jeez Louise. Now, Craig Bauer, a professor and editor-in-chief uh, of Cryptologia um, also worked on the show and may have even cracked the infamous Z340 cipher. Bauer operated under the assumption that Zodiac was an amateur cryptologist, thinking Zodiac digged things in his ciphers that professionals would likely not do. You know, like use letters to represent themselves in some instances. Bauer also believes that Zodiac might have been disheartened by... um by how fast Don and Betty Harden cracked the first cipher. So Zodiac decided to switch it up, uh, the encoding method, like uh, by, you know, changing the cipher method multiple times so that letters aren't always represented by the same symbols. Bauer's solution kind of sounds like a Zodiac letter. It starts with this, quote, Here it is. I kill both night and day, end quote. The message later says, quote, I won't change any of the game, end quote. Toward the end, Bauer even finds a name in the cipher, which Zodiac promised to give. That name, Richard M. Nixon, which is uh, completely misspelled. What a break! We did it! Richard Nixon was the Zodiac all along! I knew it! I can't wait for all that money I'm going to win in my Zodiac killer pool, Andy. You lucky bastard. Sakato me? <laughs> Richard Nixon anyway was from California Bauer's solution was uh, Bauer's solution has rather eight lines of meaningful text solved now lines 9 through 18 of the cipher though are well they're just gibberish it is uh, it is possible that there are other messages in these lines that have yet to be cracked well we don't know Bauer turned his solution over to the FBI for examination with um, unclear determination from the FBI on implications for the ongoing Zodiac case. Well, despite this uh, big development, the Z340 still cannot be said to be definitively solved. The same is true for the other Zodiac ciphers as well. I mean, wow. What are we to make of all of this? Will we ever get close to touching the real truth of the Zodiac? Will we even ever get an accurate tally of the Zodiac victims or crimes? The case has been unsolved for 50 years, with only slight glimmers of hope coming with advances in DNA technology. One issue, though, with DNA is that even if a profile is recovered from evidence, a profile from a suspect is also needed to compare. Will this even be possible for all the potential suspects? In addition to this important physical evidence, the Zodiac ciphers may also never be definitively solved. As Craig Bauer points out, Zodiac makes hella spelling mistakes in letters. And that's just writing in plain English. When you start taking misspelled words and then trying to encipher them, the mistakes are amplified. 
Once you take your enciphered mistake-riddled text and start layering other cipher techniques on top, you'll possibly get a result that is unsolvable because it won't make any sense. If Zodiac was an amateur cryptology enthusiast, it's entirely possible these uncrackable ciphers are laced with errors and will never be usefully solved. At any rate, the Zodiac is one of the most captivating and enduring unsolved murder sprees in American history, and it's very possible that Zodiac is still out there, lurking in the shadows, waiting for unsuspecting lovers to pull into a deserted lover's lane, only to be added to Zodiac's Afterlife Collection. Mr. Bunker's Conspiracy Time podcast will be right back after this brief message. Hey, Bunk Funkers! This is Andy, and I'm here with my co-host, your co-host, Art. Uh, and we're coming at you today to let you know that we launched a Patreon. Uh, so if you have the means and you want to support the show, Come visit us at patreon.com slash MrBunkerPod and consider becoming a subscriber. Get an extra podcast episode every month of our brand new show, Andy and Art Debunked, available only on Patreon. We're going to be covering uh, various urban legends and myths. We'll do TV and movie commentary tracks and reviews. We'll do pop culture conspiracies and much, much more. Becoming a subscriber will also get you access to our Discord channel where you can chat with me and Art and other bunk funkers from around the globe. You also get plenty of behind the scenes content and much, much more. So please help us support the show and keep the lights on in the bunker. Visit us at patreon.com slash MrBunkerPod and become a subscriber today. Hey, welcome back, bunkfuckers. That was our research of the Zodiac Killer. Andy, why did you do it? <laughs> um, <laughs> I'd say crimes of passion. <laughs> I have a passion for murder. Uh, um, you know, it's hard to believe, Andy. This is really hard to believe, though. After all this time, we finally found out that the Zodiac was the inspiration for the Tom Hanks classic, That Thing You Do. Go on. Thanks. Thanks, everybody. Yep. Oh, 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 it didn't register. <laughs> okay. Like, because he'll do his thing? <laughs> that was yeah. the thing? Yeah, that okay. was the thing. Okay. I was like, well, you know, I'm like, it's been a while since I've seen that thing you do. I was like, is there some kind of Zodiac reference in that movie? <laughs> yeah, you didn't you didn't know that whole movie is about Tom Hanks going around killing fucking <laughs> co-eds and fucking people. In the, oh, that's right. The, the band is a cover. Yeah, the band the is a cover. cover and Tom Hanks is uh, serial murdering uh, and using the band's gigs as a cover. Right, right, right. Oh, now boy. I remember. This one's pretty fucking disturbing. I mean, here's the thing, Andy. Let's, you know, I think this, this might be the first, is this the first serial killer we've covered? Um, 
Yeah, I think that that's accurate. Um, the first serial killer that's been the topic, right? I mean, we've talked about sort of tangentially some right. other serial killers, but you know, we like to cover unsolved stuff as well. Um, I don't think, you know, I mean, personally, I don't see Bunker ever having us do something about other serial killers, which I know is kind of tangential to our uh, genre, I guess you could say. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but there's a lot of them that are solved, and it's just kind of like, well, there's not really any kind of theory to unpack. With the, It's like, well, do you really think Ted Buddy murdered those people? It's like, yeah, he kind of fucking did. I mean, <laughs> pretty obvious he did. It's pretty obvious he fucking killed those people. You know, the only thing that you could say is like, did he murder them because he was MK Ultra? Did, did uh, right, right, stuff like right. that? If there's any of those angles, that's how it might end. And up I think here. you know, maybe that falls on yeah under an MK Ultra umbrella. But um, yeah, where do you? Where are you like a big serial killer kind of guy? Because I feel like serial killer. As a genre, which is under the umbrella, are you a big serial killer guy? I thought you were going to say, because I get a lot of serial killer vibes off of you. I thought that's what you were going to say. <laughs> well, I do. And I think a lot of other people would agree. I'm brooding. You kind of have that like dead behind the eyes thing. And you have, um, you know, a weird relationship with um, human emotions and uh, having sympathy. Yeah. People are always telling me I don't have empathy. And I don't know what that is. <laughs> Um, no, I don't know that I'm the the serial killer genre. I feel like has, man, maybe this is wrong, but has exploded as of late. I feel like true crime is a huge topic, especially in the podcasting world. Sure. Uh, serial. I mean, there's mind hunters on Netflix. There's like, you know, last podcast on the left is one of the biggest podcasts in the world. And they cover a lot of serial killers. And obviously these dark, the dark stories and the dark morbid parts of our of our existence um, are obviously of of great passion and, and very fascinating to people. Yeah, are you um, one of them? I you know I not, I wouldn't I would say not really. Um, okay, I think that um, you know years ago there used to be this show on like whatever the investigation discovery channel used to be called, or maybe it was oh, called yeah. ID, but you know, there was like, this is like before it was just murder porn all the time. Um, right. It's like they had this show called most evil uh, with Dr. Michael stone um, who <sighs> believed that he could like quantify evil based on like a scale that he developed. I mean, I don't know the purpose of it, but it explored- and obviously this scale is nowhere near as advanced as the bunker scale of plausibility, mm-hmm. but you know, we'll give him credit where credit's due. Yeah. No offense to Dr. Stone, but his scale sucked a butt compared to the bunker scale. And if he <laughs> would have used the bunker scale, the show would have been a lot better. Um, but basically it was, he did, he's like um, a psychologist, I think. And um, he, he basically created these psychological profiles of a bunch of uh, famous serial killers. And he used that information to try to determine like traits and circumstances that could possibly help to indicate uh, when a person like a child might have the, the the prerequisite factors to eventually become a serial killer like it was kind of trying to help identify when criminals might exhibit more troubling violent behavior 
Um, right. If, you know, you you like identify something early on. Um, and so part animal of this, torture is a big one. Animal right. torture is a big one for a lot of serial killers. They like they begin with torturing animals. And I think that's one of the factors. It's like there's a few things. It's like it's like a bad relationship with your parents. Uh, head really trauma. bad relationship. And like you the know, other one, not like, not like your parents, not like your parents wouldn't buy you a pack of Yu-Gi-Oh cards or you know the latest WWE wrestling action figure every time you went into Target. You know, yeah, this we're is talking more, like your parents fucked you up in the head royally with some something, or they like abused you in some way. This is more like your mom wore lingerie around the house all the time during your formative sexual years. And you watched her like entertain a lot of men because your dad left when you were young. And so you developed a sexual fetish for your mom, that kind of stuff. Oh, and also you get wanged on the head. That's where milf porn comes in as well. (laughs) Yeah. Cause because every time I watch MILF porn, I always imagine that it's my mom. Yeah, anyone who's into MILF porn is into uh, is basically a serial killer. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah. Because everyone who watches it imagines it's their own mother. Right. Like, that's the fantasy, right? But it can go the other way, too, where you kind of have, like, um, Ed Gein is a famous one, right? Ed Gein was, like, his mother was, like, super overbearing and, like, super... Um, Weren't they like hardcore religious, I think? Mm-hmm. And of course, Ed Gein was, you know, mentally limited somewhat. And right, so he was well, yes. basically reliant on his mother for his social life and everything. And that kind of dependency can spark these types of things, too. You know, again, it's like Dr. Stone's thing was like combined with other factors, these could lead to serial killer type psychological profiles and kind of the wild card in all this was what he considered to be the amount of evil that the person possesses and he kind of rated that based on like the types of crimes that they committed you know you're kind of low evil if you're like it's crimes of passion like even if you're a serial killer but you do it kind of in the heat of the moment where things just get out of control and you just kill because you have this predisposition or this uh, this lack of respect for human life, maybe. But then, right, you know, higher on the scale is when you torture your victims, like when you have sadistic uh, tendencies, like that'll get you higher on the scale. But we used to watch that show. Um, I think I was about six years old when that aired, and I loved, it, just ate it up. I'm kidding, <laughs> kidding about the age. Uh, by the way, that was a right joke. before bed. Oh, mummy. Oh, papa. Can we please watch the serial killer show right before bed? <laughs> but that that show was really like my introduction into the world of serial killers. I wasn't really that versed in it before. And honestly, That's that show, that show I watched that this I mean, this is like probably over a decade ago when I was watching this show. And I haven't I haven't really gotten into this current wave of serial killers and, you know, it's interesting now, too. I think sort of in the zeitgeist, even though this serial killer like legend is there, there's also this uh, sense that people are glorifying the serial killer at the expense yes. of the victims. And I wanted to bring this up as well. Like, are we like I almost feel like Zodiac kind of occupies that space, too. Right. Where he does in a way because he would love to know that there are podcasts talking about him and. 
I mean, I can only imagine that he would be personally insulted by this podcast specifically, but I mean, in general, yeah. Most likely. Yeah, he would probably love that there were lots of uh, media about the Zodiac murders. I think certain shows can toe that line. And, you know, obviously we're not going to name names. Everyone (laughs) can have their opinion on what shows might do this and what shows might not. Um, But definitely, I think the word you use, murder porn, is... um, I think that's a big one. People really like to listen to this stuff and get kind of scared and spooked. And it's like, uh, I mean, personally, I, you know, I think the psychology of it is interesting. Obviously I've mentioned multiple times. I have a psychology degree. I can armchair diagnose anyone I see fit. That's what I'm allowed to do. That's what you do when you get a psychology degree. Okay. Yes. Yes. Um, but, the psychology of it is it is interesting to me how a person can just develop that lack of empathy that this narcissism their their sociopathy their just all the above and like what events lead a person to do that um but just like yeah i don't really like like this stuff is it's scary this is fucking terrifying like all of this stuff is like the Shepherd and Hartnell murders are so fucking gruesome and like terrifying to me. That stuff is like legitimately. I don't like that. Like it's like I don't want to fucking like you know. It's like I mean you do you do have to imagine the the sheer Christ the sheer terror uh, of the victims. I mean if you're Cecilia Shepherd, if you're Brian Hartnell, you're sitting there having a nice nice evening together on the shore of the lake, and all of a sudden like just from behind a tree, a huge man, like a hulking man wearing an executioner's hood and holding a gun just starts walking toward you. Like, what do you do? I mean, it's got to be fucked, dude. I don't like, know. I, you know, it makes you, it makes me not want to go outside anymore. Just like yeah. repeating that back to you makes me like, oh, well, I'm never going to go anywhere secluded ever again. And for those of you who haven't seen David Fincher's Zodiac film, fuck, they show... They show this murder and they show this scene in gruesome detail and the camera doesn't fucking cut and it is, uh, I mean, it's horrifying. It's absolutely fucking gut-wrenching. As David Fincher's um, and, and reading about the, these murders, reading about like people like Richard Ramirez or Richard Speck or... Um, Any of the other serial killers named Richard. Yeah, the East Area Rapist in particular is also one that is fucking just like... Oh God. Um, it's just, it's, it's traumatizing. I mean, it's like, you know, other ones like, you know, people know a lot about Ed Kemper. Ed Kemper was a co-ed killer. He murdered, he like murdered his own grandparents. I think he, and his, his own mother Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and like chopped up her, chopped her head off and stuff that other stuff. But you know, Ted Bundy and, and not to downplay those murders either, but, there's just something about the like, I don't know, the like stalking people and then binding and binding them. And it's just like making them watch that is just so fucking uh, gruesome that I don't, I don't know. I, it doesn't make it. I don't, I don't get it, I guess. I guess it's not my cup of tea to go out and seek that stuff out. Yeah, I think I think that the, it's the it's the audacity of the crimes that lures some people in. I think that it's 
it's very sensationalist what serial killers do. And I mean, that's the point for them, right? Like, I think the psychology of it is, is very interesting. That's kind of why I liked that most evil show is because it dealt a lot with the psychology of the killers. And, you know, in that show, Dr. Stone, if they were living killers, he would sometimes go to prison and interview them and talk about the right. crimes and, you know, where there were inconsistencies in some of the stuff that, like, he would kind of grill them on things. And I, I think it's interesting to get that perspective on, you know, a, a population of people, which is, I mean, literally very small percent of the, the, the overall population, but a population of people that's very different from most people that you <laughs> meet on the street. You know? Yeah, I mean, psychology will say to you that, like, there's actually a lot more sociopaths walking amongst us mm-hmm. than people probably realize, but yeah. they just kind of, it, there's a spectrum to how much that is inherent in them, and um, most of them don't ever act on it. I mean, and the ways yeah. they might act on it is, like, they're rude to waiters, you know, yeah, or something. like. Yeah. There's a difference between me thinking about strangling you constantly every time I close my eyes and then there's, and then actually strangling you. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, you know, one thing that I think is sad about serial killer culture too, is that a lot of serial killers choose victims who are, uh, who for lack of a better word, this is going to sound insensitive, but bear with me like victims who won't be missed. So, you know, no, yeah, of, I agree. A lot of a lot of prostitutes get killed by serial killers because there's this aggression towards women. There's a lot of times uh, like killings are sexualized in a way for killers. And unfortunately, that they end up lashing out at at prostitutes a lot. And it's really sad because a lot of these these women in cases are like already running from other things in their lives. Like they've had hard lives and this is what they have to do to like get by. Uh, And, you know, they don't deserve to just die. And, you know, most of those murders just, it's kind of like police don't care. Like, Oh, it's like, Oh, prostitutes get murdered. You know, that's just a thing that might happen in that line of work. And then to me is really sad because these are still human beings. Like there are, they are, are, fellow citizens like they're other they're human like why why should they just be you know serial killers don't get until like the body count gets up there or somebody who has a family that's identified is gets murdered you know it's like it's just sad to me right. all the way around and i i think that's something and that it's gets like lost you know a lot oh for sure and and i think that plays into the zodiac because you know he's claiming that he has 37 kills on his list and it's well, it's kind of like, we don't know. Is he telling the truth? Is he not? I mean, well, it's... I have some thoughts. But well, before we get into those thoughts, I want to talk about one last thing here. Because we're kind of talking, we're touching on this murder, mm-hmm. porn, serial killer f- fanaticism thing. Mm-hmm. What are the ethics of print journalism? Like... Mm. So okay. Zodiac is sending in these letters to all these papers and saying like, hey, you got to publish this shit or I'm going to go do my thing. I'm going to go fucking kill again. I mean, I literally don't know. Like, I don't know what the ethics are. And I'm I don't know if you know either. You shouldn't like, be going to you for ethics advice. But yeah, you. so I think I think what you're getting at. Do, is what like, do you do? If, what do you do? I think what you're getting at is that if if. If the Zodiac sends a letter to the San Francisco Chronicle 
and it says print this on the front page or I'm going to blow up a school bus of children. Right. Are is the is the San Francisco Chronicle ethically required to put that letter on its front page because it could possibly avoid a school bus explosion? On the one hand, you're giving in to their sick demands, which is what they want. They want this this narcissism, this satisfaction, this uh, stuff that they can get off on. And on the other hand, you know, if you say, no, we're not going to give in to your demands, well, you're endangering people. But either yeah. way, you're still endangering people. Like, you're dealing with an unreliable narrator. What do you do? Yeah. I mean, it's a tough call, and I... I have no idea. I mean, I'm no journalist. Uh, obviously, yeah. I have. Uh, I mean, you're famous for sending in letters to the Chicago Tribune saying, if you don't post this letter, I'll eat 47 hot dogs. Little did they know that I was going to eat those hot dogs anyway. Yeah. I mean, you ramped it up, though. You kept saying, like, I'm going to break Joey Chestnut's world hot dog eating record. I'm going to eat every hot dog in the city of Chicago. There will be no more hot dogs left during time, Cubs opening season. Time was no consideration for me. So I just assumed that I could just continue eating hot dogs for like days and weeks and months and years. And that would make me the greatest hot dog champion of the world. But and Joey Chestnut Tribune has to do kind it of ignored fast. You. Yeah, they ignored, they ignored you. But you know what? They may have maybe put something in the obituary section. Like they may have like put a small part of one of your letters in the obituary section, but yeah, well, you know, in their defense, I did write an obituary for myself, which, uh, described, (laughs) described how I died after eating a hundred thousand hot dogs over the course of a week, which did happen, but I didn't die. So that's on them. They should have checked weird, should have fact checked that time in your life. Should have fact checked that before they printed it, but they didn't. So I didn't die. It's their fault. Who, what a poopy that was. 100,000 hot dogs. <laughs> and that led to you sending letters claiming you were going to you were going to fucking blow up all these toilets with your enormous shit. And I made good on that. You did. You made good on those promises. Every Starbucks in the uh Chicago area, the metro area had my poopy in it. Yeah, I don't know what you do either here, Andy. I, I I mean, obviously the papers published them, but as we saw from Zodiac's fucking whining and bitching, <laughs> um, they would put them in the back of the paper. <laughs> and you know, like, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna just take a jump here and say it's pretty obvious Zodiac was bluffing. There was no bomb, I don't think. I mean, what they're what I think people say is that he devised a probable uh, solution for making a bomb. You know, it's like a similar bomb is the kind of bomb that was used to blow up um, the Oklahoma City Federal Building. The, the bombing perpetrated by Timothy McVeigh in the 90s was an ammonium nitrate, you know, bomb. So because he had this plausible mixture of stuff to make an explosive device and then had these schematic drawings but like the drawing i mean to me if i look at it now i'm no bomb maker but i look at the drawing and i'm like this seems excessively complicated this yeah the only bombs you ever drop are like emotional (laughs) ones where you say like or ones where you know you come out and say that you were uh 
you know, like soap opera style bombs where you come back from the dead and everyone is shocked. Mm-hmm. Or when I'm in the Starbucks again. Yeah. Dropping bombs. Um, So I think it is, to me, Zodiac was bluffing on the bomb stuff. And I think all the school bus stuff, because there's no there's no corresponding crimes that come up in the in the lore of the Zodiac. Yeah, I mean, obviously we it, that's just kind of like, yeah, you, you just kind of have to say if you think he was bluffing or not. I mean, he's obviously not a reliable person because yep. he's a murderer and not a good person. Right. Um uh, Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't know where I stand on that. I, I think he could have very well have had those things and been capable of doing that stuff. But at the same time, I think that if you kind of dive into like what probably made the Zodiac tick going off of other serial killer cases that we have caught and have more concrete evidence of, it's like he was kind of more of a like um, like a narcissist kind of guy. He wanted to see his name in the papers and he wanted to get off on that notion, and he probably wanted to um, have people know who he was. He loved yeah. the attention. Yeah. Uh, like a Ted Bundy, like a um, um, Son of Sam type guy, like a, uh, like all of them, really. <laughs> yeah. I mean, some of them, a lot of them do it for like very sick sexual reasons but as we described there's no robbery and there's no sexual molestation on like any of the confirmed killings well you know so even some that are sexually motivated it's like that's oh go ahead no 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 it's all you oh, okay well I was gonna say even some of this stuff that's sexually motivated like the sexual motivation helps get them into the crime of committing an assault and then a murder but even some of those killers still end up taunting the police writing letters doing stuff like that um you know so there's there's this sexual aspect of it when they actually commit the murder but they're also they like the attention they like that it gets headlines when they commit a crime you know it's like like btk i mean BTK Dennis Rader was dormant for a while, but then he yeah. just couldn't couldn't stay couldn't stay quiet forever. Had to come back, and that's how he, he got caught. More letters. Yep. Had to had to just get back in the press. What was it? His church, yeah, church like computer, ch- local church computer, and they found the IP address or something. Um, I think that he had. It's some way they traced like the type of like. It was like a printed letter, and they taste like traced it back somehow through the printer, I think. Or he sent a disc, and they like took the you know like the data imprinted on the disc and figured out where the computer yeah. was. BTK actually is a good example of one that I think is like probably the most heinous and scary. Yeah, this guy was run of the mill. I mean, not run of the mill. He was known as being kind of a hard ass. But he was just like, he was just a dude in the community, you know, was a dad, had a wife, had kids that he raised. He fucking was like the, the boy scout leader. He was very active in at church. 
run-of-the-mill guy. That's fucking terrifying. Yeah. And he would, the horrible things he would do to those these children that he murdered. I mean, just absolutely fucking disgusting. It really just goes to show you that the way that the mind can be compartmentalized in some ways. It's, it's insane. Because, you know, I think that if you interacted with BTK, like, you probably would be like, eh, this guy kind of sucks. I mean, that's my, my like, take on it. That if yeah, I knew he was BTK known as being kind socially, of a hard ass, yeah, being a bit of an like, asshole. Uh, this, guy, this guy fucking sucks. Like, just f- chill out, yeah. dude. Like, relax. Chill out, bro. But, you know, otherwise, there's no indication. You're not going to be like, you know, I don't like that guy. I think that he's a serial murderer. Like, it's not... <laughs> And and of the and of the very bad variety, you know, it's not that he's a person that gets into these situations and then just loses control and murders. Like he's methodical. He's oh planned it he's out. Torturing the victims. Oh, he's awful. Like like the worst kind of of person. And you would have no idea if you knew him, probably. And that's the scary part. Is like you mm-hmm. know we think of we think of these people as like sick freaks who live in a basement somewhere, but it's like that dude was totally normal. Yeah. One of the mill guy, you know, the people that do commit more like crimes of passion and stuff like somebody who could get like, uh, well, like in this thing, we mentioned, uh, Charles Starkwell and, uh, Caroline, uh, Fugate. They're like murder spree. I mean, that's totally spontaneous, like, or stark weather, uh, you know, that guy was out of control. Like it was only, you know, that's, that's not a, that's not a Dennis Rader type, you know, he's, he's like one of these people right. that you would know probably that something was going to happen because it seems like just an out of control person, like from the get go. But those are like, you know, it's bad. It's like multiple murders and stuff, but it's also not like, doesn't seem that it was so premeditated or there's any kind of fantasy behind it. It's just, that's, he just did it one day. And then right. just kept going. Yeah. Um, well, back to the Zodiac. I mean, speaking of him and the newspapers, I mean, Zodiac is a real fucking simp to these newspapers. <laughs> this guy was fucking simping hard to these newspapers. He was like writing in constantly, you know, being like, I'm hey, so- I fucking, I tier three sub to your fucking thing. And I just thought that, you know, maybe we could be like, and it's like, oh, Jesus fucking Christ, dude. I subscribed to your only fan, only fan, San Francisco Chronicle. <laughs> San Francisco oh God, Chronicle. Dude. I'm the one who donates on your Twitch stream every every day. I'm gonna write to the L.A. Times. I don't need you. It's like, oh Jesus! Just Christ. say my name out loud on your stream, San Francisco Chronicle. Paul Averly. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm glad that you said. You didn't even spell my name right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad that you said that uh, Zodiac is a simp because I feel the same way. Hundred uh, percent. These letters come off very simpish. Simp and hard for and the it's probably San pretty obvious. Media. <laughs> I mean, he's look, uh, look San Francisco Chronicle. Boomer. I switched. I switched to this other cam girl because you won't. You bury me in the back pages. L.A. Times yeah. will put me on the front page. I thought it was special. <laughs> I've been supporting you on Patreon for months, and this is one thanks I get. Nobody's wearing my buttons. I ordered your bathwater, San Francisco Chronicle. Where is it? <laughs> Oh, bathwater. 
Um, it's obvious that this guy is a boomer as well because uh, he's underlining things. He's using <laughs> twelve exclamation points. I mean, oh god, he literally is a boomer. He literally is one. He was. It's born. so good that you said that. I wish I had a pen. I got to write that down because uh, that's going to factor into my verdict uh, now officially. <laughs> Uh, so I'm going to steal that just okay. FYI <laughs> go for it um, but yeah you're, you're right <laughs> arguing with the media about the lies they tell uh, and underlining stuff <laughs> using excessive um, punctuation but also probably lying about the facts on his own accord that's that's pure boomer right there pure boomer okay boomer um well, Andy, should we get into it? Let's should we, should we get into kind of what of our some of our thoughts on, um, I guess, who we think this guy was, or yeah, I guess is what that guys? Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean that's that's where I'm headed with this, frankly. Um, yeah, I've been doing a lot of thinking about this. Um, okay, and I think I have, I, I think that I've solved the case. Wow, you hit it here first, folks. <laughs> Zodiac Killer fucking solved on Mr. Bunker's Conspiracy Time podcast. I think I'm gonna I think I'm gonna put forth the hypothesis that ultimately will be the truth about the Zodiac. All right. Well, I guess we can't leave our um we can't leave the bunk bunkers waiting on bated breath. Oh uh, no, we're gonna uh, we're gonna do this like the history show, and so that part will be on next. Oh, week's it'll episode. be way at the end. Yeah. yeah, yeah, we'll keep alluding to it at every commercial break, <laughs> but it'll be way at the end. No, um, I don't know. And I, then in the bottom right, in the bottom left hand corner of your audio experience, look, look, at, look at whatever you're using to listen to this show. In the bottom left hand corner, in about five seconds, you're gonna see a tiny little, um, um. Uh, the guy from Pawn Stars is going to come up and he's going to like do like a little like uh, he's going to cross his arms and kind of go like er, der, 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 and then like it's going to tell you when Pawn Stars is going to be playing that. His name is Rick Harrison. Okay. Rick Harrison. Show him some goddamn respect. He owns the my, world famous gold and silver pawn shop in Las Vegas, Nevada. My mistake. My mistake. Um, no, I do want to talk about the suspects in this because I think um, I think that's going to lead us into a discussion about the crimes themselves which i don't want to dwell so much on the murders because they're gruesome and we already talked about it but i think that it's useful to talk about the victims and some of the the similarities and some of the differences uh in the crimes so i think i want to start kind of the same way with with arthur arthur lee allen i think to me how do you feel is arthur just clear the air can i clear the air like this guy we the us members of the Arthur Council, like you know, the world, the World Arthur Organization. We, this guy has been excommunicated from that. He is not no longer part of it. We no longer recognize him as a upstanding member of the Arthur community. You know, obviously, we have our famous Arthurs. We have the famous British comedy Arthur. We have the Arthur PBS show. King Arthur, and that's about it. So, you know, those are kind of our three famous things. This guy, we're not recognizing him, okay? Don't forget the King Let's Arthur flower. Adam. Great King flower. King Arthur flower. Great flower. Great flower, employee-owned company. Um, <laughs> yes, it is. Let's just call him Alan. We're going to call him Alan. Okay. Okay, or, we're renouncing his Arthurship. Or you could call him Lee. He went by Lee sometimes. Well, okay. All right, yeah. So, so say your piece. 
go ahead. Say your piece here, Andy, on um, on 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 Lee Allen or Allen. First name now redacted. Yeah, yeah. Uh, redacted Lee Allen. I think that that Lee Allen is maybe like. I want to say like he's maybe the most famous Zodiac suspect. Uh, do you think okay. that's fair? That I do think that's fair. He's definitely he's uh, he's fitting a lot of the bill. You know, he's been obviously he was put forward earlier than a lot of other suspects in this case. Um, Robert Graysmith's book came out and basically said that Lee Allen is the Zodiac, and that's kind of stuck that's that reputation is stuck with him now personally i don't think lee allen's the zodiac but i think lee allen wow. wanted people to think that he was the zodiac um i think that uh lee allen was a very bad person um but i don't think he was the zodiac um you know wow. none of the none of the physical evidence points to lee allen i think for me, it's like the only things he's got going for him is that he's big. Um, he lived in the areas where there were murders and he's obviously a bad person. So it's not crazy to think that he would have committed crimes like the Zodiac committed. But it's like the DNA doesn't match. Don Chaney's DNA doesn't match. Fingerprints, palm prints, handwriting, nothing matches. And... You know, despite all this, this overwhelming evidence that he's not the Zodiac, Robert Graysmith kind of keeps pushing <laughs> that he is, you know, claiming that like Lee Allen was, you know, murdering as the Zodiac, like into the 80s and 90s, maybe even and still sending letters, even though no other experts really believe that there were Zodiac communications after 1974. So and like even some of the later communications that get lumped in as Zodiac, I don't think that they're the Zodiac. I'm not convinced that everything that's canon to the Zodiac is the Zodiac. And I don't think Lee Allen is a Zodiac at all. That's my, that's my take. Like, I think that he's just a bad, a bad person. And I think that he liked the attention. I think that he liked police investigating him. I think that he liked, them searching his house and finding all this weird shit and making them think that he was the Zodiac. So, so that weird shit that they found, like the alleged, uh, the dissected animals in his fucking fridge, the, um, sexual devices that they would find mm -hmm. and other stuff. Was that true or false? No, I think that that's true. I think they found all that stuff. Okay. Uh, I believe that they found all that stuff. Uh, but I think that, and I think, like I said, I think Lee Allen was like probably <laughs> dissecting animals and doing weird sex stuff. I haven't, I have no reason to suspect otherwise. Uh, probably was into the Zodiac, probably was into some weird stuff, uh, bomb making and all this. Who knows what he was into? Um, but, you know, it's like, first of all, he goes to prison in 1974, right? Like, speaking of the letters, he goes to prison in 1974. Um, obviously, we mentioned in the research that there were no Zodiac letters while he's in jail. Right. Well, it's like if you take the official timeline of Zodiac, there were none after 1974 at all. So, 
it's a safe bet that there were none when he was in jail when he went to jail in 1974. You know what mm. I'm saying? Like, it's it's kind of easy to say. it's a coincidence. Yeah, I'm saying it's just like, yeah, he went to jail in 19... Because, you know, again, if you believe Robert Graysmith, you think the letter's picked back up again. But not not everybody believes that. You know, they think that there were no more letters after 1974. Um, but I think all the stuff that they find, you know... I just think it's far-fetched, too, to say that Lee Allen's out there doing all these crimes in his persona as the Zodiac, um, but that Don Chaney or some other person is licking the stamps for him, writing the letters for him. It's like they've turned being the Zodiac into a cottage industry. Um, <laughs> and I, I just, it's like, the more people you involved in this, the less likely it's going to be that you'll get away with it. So the right. more the more that you have to like explain away stuff, the less likely I am to believe it. And I think that for Lee Allen, there's just there's too much that you have to explain away. You know, it doesn't make sense, and that's because he's not the Zodiac. Okay, that definitely gives me some food for thought. Ooh, okay. Um, I think he's a little bit higher on my list than um. Okay. Than maybe you, but I think you're right. There's a lot of the DNA doesn't match. I mean, you know how I don't know. I listen. Hey, I'm no egghead. You're no egghead, right? Um, how no, strong is that DNA evidence? I don't know because you know it's like an old stamp. Yeah, and it's like it's a DNA like it's not a DNA match. It's like a DNA composite. Like it's like yeah. And the yeah, D- we kind of look at this with the Summerton man where it's like, oh, they can get like a little bit of DNA and it's like you can get an idea of the realm that this fits in, but the ballpark, you know, but it's not going to give you the seat number. Yeah, they only have the partial DNA profile from the stamp. You know, the hope is right. that the gloves would yield more complete and maybe more definitive testing. And I'll say this. uh, he could have had someone else lick the stamp and lick the envelope for him. Yeah. And just say like, oh, I'm just addressing a letter. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, like You know me. You got my this fucking that. dry tongue. Can't lick a letter. Jeez. Can you help me out here? <laughs> yeah. But again, it's like, I, I don't know. His handwriting didn't match. I mean, yeah, I'm explaining things away. I'm explaining things away. Yep. The handwriting. You're right. So then, so then who wrote the letters? I don't know. Well, there you go. There you go. Um, I just was not, you know, it's like Arthur Lee Allen is, is oh, I'm sorry, Lee Allen is. Redacted the, Lee Allen. I'm sorry, excuse me. Um, can we take that again? Lee Allen is at the <laughs> top of a lot of lists when it comes to suspects. But I just. It's not lining up for you. It's like if you, if, 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 if I had, if I had learned about Lee Allen 20 years ago. I might be like, this is pretty darn convincing, but for sure by by today, it's kind of like, eh, I think there's, I think there's too much and too much work around. Yeah. And I, I don't want to sound like a, like I'm not victim blaming when I say this, but I'm saying that like, <laughs> oh, no. I think, um, lineups like, like the police lineup is like, I'm pretty sure not the most efficient way of like identifying a suspect. Like, I think it can mm-hmm. be. 
we've talked about how memory can be falsified and, you know, things can be like almost implanted. Yeah, um, you have to you have to feel for Mike Majot in this case, I think, because this was years later when he's right. shown these photographs and identifies Lee Allen as the shooter. And let's not forget as far as we know, Lee Allen and Darlene Farron saw a car pull in, behind, you know, like behind them, really close. Then it drove away. Then it came back. A guy got out and started shooting at them. How good is your memory right. going to be of the facial features of that person? You know, like I give, I got to give Mike Majot a little yeah. bit of a break here and say, I'm not sure that we could. You know, the, the thing that we should rely on is him picking Lee Allen out of a lineup of photos in 1991 or whenever it was. I mean, it can be tough. You know, speaking from experience, I'm someone who I've been uh, publicly attacked before <laughs> in a like surprise attack. Uh, phys- physically physically attacked bunk funkers, not uh, publicly attacked in the press, <laughs> which also often happens to yes. fart. <laughs> Um, no, I was physically attacked. Uh, I was punched in the face. Um, just at no fault of my own. Eh, well, um, it's like I carried away. I mean, I mean, my face that, is asking for it when I walk around town and it's like, you know, people are like, Jesus Christ. Like in that situation, guy. you didn't do anything wrong, but like you didn't deserve to get punched in the face at all. I mean, <laughs> let's be real here. We're just existing. Yeah, sure. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh for what for what for for complaining on various MMO forums about <laughs> s- why certain people are acting a certain way yeah maybe I deserve to get punched in the face for that <laughs> um, no I've been you know and I'm not trying to say that my situation was anywhere near what any of the victims in this situation had to encounter. You know, I got punched in the face and yeah, it hurt. I had a shiner for a little while, but mm-hmm. I survived and I walked away. Right. Um, you know, uh, but even it's been like, yeah, it's been, uh, I mean, it's been like 10 years since that happened to me and I still remember certain parts of it. Right. I, st- I think I even said this during our Mandela Effect episode. Like, it's like I can remember shapes and certain colors and like little flashbulb pieces, but even that guy's face, like, I, I, yeah, I'd have to, like, even, I don't know if I could pick it out out of a lineup. You know what? I, I think, don't know if I could. You know what I think is funny too is that I think sometimes you have a memory, but if somebody tells you a story about the same thing that you remember, like if you if you weren't so sure about what you remembered, but the other person seems really confident, I think sometimes you just kind of adopt that stuff. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. I'm not saying I'm not uh, I want to be clear. I'm not saying that I think that Mike Majot had his memory affected, but I am also saying that I don't think there's any way that he couldn't have had his memory affected over that long a period of time that it's not like right. set in stone. So who knows, you know, what what circumstances yeah. led to him identifying Lee Allen. And we're yeah, we're just kind of saying that necessarily like, you know, that like uh, people might say like, well, you know, he picked him out. The, the one of the victims picked him out. And it's like, ah, that's still not the conclusive evidence we need to. 
well get this motherfucker you know and you know the way that the way that like the law works it's not like mike majo said yes that's the man who shot me and they instantly arrest lee allen and take him into custody and charge him with all of the zodiac's crimes and anything else they can think of because of this one identification it's like if if mike majo says yes this is the person who shot at me well then they investigate and lee allen got investigated a lot and yet they couldn't charge him with anything like to me that's a red flag too. He got investigated. Yeah, a I mean, lot. eventually they got him for being a sick fuck who diddled kids. But, right, right, uh, right. I mean, aside from the crimes that he know. actually went to prison for, but I mean, as far as the Zodiac goes, like they investigated him as part of that whole process a lot. Yet, yeah, you're they right. Found, they and found they, they didn't find I mean, enough. It's like they didn't find enough. Multiple search warrants. You know, you'd think that they could probably find at least a little something. If all this, usually, yeah. When these guys get caught, they get caught. Right. It's it's like, all there. You know, that's the thing. Yeah, they're like, like yeah, I mean, besides Ted Bundy, who like escaped prison and ran away and was able to like, to, didn't he like, he represented himself and like, didn't he get like part of his charges dropped or something? Like, I don't, um, I don't, I don't remember, but I do he, think he that that's true shit. that he, he represented himself because he was like a trained attorney. Like he was in law school. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, when these guys usually get caught, they usually are like, yeah, you got me. Well, you know, I think that it's, it's like, because there's lots of victims and the way that the serial killer mind works, there's usually lots of artifacts and stuff. And so I think yeah. that it's hard for them. Like even a guy like BTK had what, there was like a box or something, right? That he had of all these like mementos and things from the crimes. Cause that's a very yeah, like typical behavior. Shit. Yeah. Yeah. He would take like pictures, I think. Yeah. And so it's like, you would expect that if they've searched Lee Allen's home multiple times and investigated him all this, you know, I think that uh, they would have found some kind of evidence that would have been like, okay, this is enough that we could arrest you. I mean, it's like surprising. Yeah, it's surprising that some of, of the bomb uh, stuff that they didn't arrest him just in general. Yeah. Uh, uh, but you know, the fact that they had stuff like that and still couldn't like tie him enough to this conclusively to get a warrant for his arrest. Anything related to the like that symbol would appear in this person's home somewhere. You know, because right. they're obsessed with that symbol. Yeah. That symbol is their whole identity. Pre-cut lengths of rope. Uh, any of the ammunition that he used would probably be in his house somewhere, right? Mm-hmm. The Unless ammunition, the weapons. Super methodical. Yeah. Those weapons, um, the fucking executioner's hood, you know? <laughs> right, right. There should have been some. So, why do you get this executioner's hood? Well, you see, Your Honor, my client, he just really likes LARPing. He's a medieval role player <laughs> and he loves to LARP as an executioner's. For the local LARPing club, okay? <laughs> the local innocent. LARPers. The Larkville LARPers. I'm a big time attorney, Artie Tummy. Artie, t- Artie Tummy. <laughs> <laughs> Are you a friggin' serial killer? Then, hey, Artie Tummy's gonna represent you in court. <laughs> and I'm his partner, Andy Guts. Did you ever take a dump somewhere so bad that they <laughs> throwed you out of the place and you never could come back? Well, I'm here to say I'm going to sue that business. We're not going to win, 
because you shouldn't have pooped in there. But let's sue them to make them look bad. And we are the attorneys at Shitty Attorneys at Law. Come see us. Come visit our website, shitturneys.com. <laughs> we couldn't afford C-U-M, a .com. Not C-O-M. Shitattorneys.com is a porn website. It's all about people with people who've passed the bar exam and then take poops on each other. <laughs> yeah. It is all legal based pornography. We are actual lawyers who do shit work. I filed a few briefs on that website. Hey yo. Hey yo. This advertisement paid for by shitattorneys.com. <laughs> anyway. Um, okay. What are we talking so about? you're not feeling pretty high on Lee Allen. I don't like him. Yeah, I don't like not him. Not a likable guy. Not, not likable at all. But I don't like him as the Zodiac. Okay. Not very, very like very low on Lee Allen. So on the opposite end, who do you who do you like as the Zodiac? Who, who are you do casting I like? in your Zodiac screenplay? Oh, funny that you say that because I'm casting the star of the movie Ross Sullivan as my Zodiac killer. Ooh, out of left field with Ross Sullivan. Interesting, interesting, interesting. Um, shall I count the ways of why Ross Sullivan uh seems to make sense to me? Sure. All right. I'm going to start I'm going to start at the beginning. Uh and when I say the beginning, I mean with Sherry Joe Bates because I think that that's the key here. Sherry Joe Bates uh has the strongest connection to Ross Sullivan. His behavior around the time of the murder is unexplained uh and very suspicious. Um there's a uh there's a trail. Obviously, Sherry Joe Bates, to me, should be an official Zodiac, personally, because I think it fits the mold so well. It's like it's very confusing to me why the Riverside police decided to take it back and say it wasn't the Zodiac, uh, only to select another suspect that was quickly proven to not be uh, a match to the DNA found at the scene. Um I think that um, Ross Sullivan's got that strong connection. The circumstantial evidence is uh, really stacked up for Ross Sullivan being the Zodiac. Um, You know, you've got the fact that he clearly had some kind of like a military enthusiast, despite having a military background. That's probably the biggest problem. No military background. Uh, He's into cryptology, took cryptology classes uh, he's he's in a murder movie so realistic that people get scared of it and have to call the police. Um, he's uh he's he's in the right places at the right times to commit the crimes, and that rhymes. Um, he's uh he's he's uh he's near this stationary store. I mean, this is very. S- like very circumstantial, but like the similarities, you know, are pretty, pretty striking, uh, between some of that stuff. So it's like, it's possible that he was affected by it. Um, you know, if he had an interest in, um, the, the theater, cause he was in this movie, it kind of makes sense 
that he might be into the Mikado. And it's pretty clear that he would have probably seen it. Like the night that Paul Stein was murdered, the Mikado was playing in the theater district at the Lamplighter Theater in San Francisco. Uh, so this is only like a short walk from where the cab picked up the Zodiac. Um, I don't know. It just, the, the, he looks like the composite. He fits the physical description. Uh, the only thing that, and I'll say this too, official Zodiac, they say stopped in 1974, the letters, the communications, Ross Sullivan like disappears and nobody's for sure where he goes or like, is he even alive today? You know, there's people say that he died of a heart attack in September of 1977 and that he was cremated, but that's just on the like find a grave website or whatever, you know, that says that Ross Sullivan died. And you know, the thing about it is it says Ross M Sullivan, but it seems like his middle name might've been Steven. So I don't think that it's probably the same person. So where's Ross Sullivan? Who knows? Maybe this is why the Zodiac drops off because Ross Sullivan just disappears. Wow. Interesting. Could not be higher on Ross Sullivan. Wow. So, wow. I mean, this is quite, this is quite a, uh, this is quite a revelation here from Andy. Bunkers. <laughs> um, no love for Lawrence Kane. Look, I don't love any of these people, uh, but... <laughs> well, here's the thing, Andy. Listen, hear me out. Yeah. We've always known that Kane was a killer. We've always known that because he killed on live TV when he buried his brother, The Undertaker, alive. Right. Survivor <laughs> Series 2003. Right. He buried yeah. The Undertaker slash... Well, he was actually the big American badass at the time. He buried him alive. He died and rose again as an undead man, the Undertaker. But he still committed murder on live TV, Andy. When yeah. Kane fucking killed his brother on live TV. Uh, you know, little known fact that the that the wrestler Kane's first name is Lawrence. <laughs> um I don't know. I don't I don't have any love for Lawrence. I don't I'm not big on Lawrence Kane either. Um, the thing about the Zodiac is I'm not convinced that everything related to the Zodiac is the Zodiac. And I'm also not convinced that the Zodiac didn't just, uh, also just kind of take other crimes as his own. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Totally. Uh, I'm not convinced of either of those things because, you know, it's obvious that I, I think this guy was a murder enthusiast. Um, which is probably a nicer way to say serial killer, I guess. Oh, I'm a murder. Your Honor, my client is a murder enthusiast, okay? He's just really into murder. <laughs> Again, big. Why does he have dissected animals in his fridge? I ask you, the people of the jury, look in your fridges. What do you see? Ground beef is a dissected animal, chicken breasts are dissected animals in your fridges. So dismembered uh, squirrels are dissected has, animals. <laughs> yeah, has dissected squirrels that are dressed up to look like its mother, his mother. Big deal. <laughs> That's how he likes to prepare his meat. 
I'm not here to judge, and neither is the law. I'm Artie Tummy, attorney at law. Artie Tummy. <laughs> I would hire Artie Tummy And I'll get you sure. $600 million. Um, I'm, yeah, I mean, you know, the BuzzFeed guys, the BuzzFeed Unsolved guys, Yes. Uh, minus Shane. I believe the first gentleman's name was Brent. Brett? Brendan? Brandon? <sighs> I don't know. Uh, either way, he's not part of that crew anymore. But they believe that it was two guys. They think mm-hmm. it was Arthur, sorry, redacted Lee Allen and uh, <laughs> Lawrence Kane, and possibly more. What do you think about it being more than one person? Um... I think I th- I think that that's I think that's the c- the correct thing uh at the end of the day like I feel like I feel like that's that I think I think part of the issue here is I agree with you that I think Zodiac took credit for crimes that he didn't commit and I think that there's some cross pollination here because I think that there are letters coming from other sources, things that are mixed in with the Zodiac um, communications that aren't actually from Zodiac, as well as Zodiac taking credit for things that he didn't do. Um, And I think that's where it gets mixed. So I think, to me, it's at least two people. uh, And I think that Lawrence Kane is one of those people. Wow. So you take all the the Lawrence Kane, his... One of Lawrence Kane's also big things is that he is um, where he lived was like very close to many of the murders that were attributed to Zodiac. And, and yeah, Lawrence Kane's like uh, geographic proximity and his, you know, naval reserve background is are probably the two the two biggest things uh, going for him as far as a suspect for Zodiac. That's my opinion. Wow, so your your pick you're picking Ross Sullivan and Lawrence Kane. That's those are your two guys who are going to be the Zodiac, mm-hmm. and and then a host of other characters that are probably writing in, claiming to be Zodiac when they're actually not. Yeah. So here's here's what I see. I think that uh, I think that Ross Sullivan definitely murdered Sherry Joe Bates. I think that Ross Sullivan. Uh, definitely attacked uh, Darlene Farron and Mike Majot. I definitely think that it was Ross Sullivan who attacked Cecilia Shepard and Brian Hartnell. Uh, I also think that Ross Sullivan probably killed David Faraday and uh, Betty Lou Jensen. And I think that uh, Ross Sullivan probably also killed Paul Stein and Ray Davis. Um, and then I think that Lawrence Kane abducted Donna Lass and Kathleen Johns. And I think that, I think that Ross Sullivan took credit for Kathleen Johns in a letter and that the weird postcards with the text cut out, both of those came from Lawrence Kane. Wow. I think Lawrence Kane sent the 
uh, the postcard from Lake Tahoe. And I think that he sent the earlier postcard that was also cut out text. Wow. And that's your verdict. And how, how, what, what kind of, what are you given that? On my verdict? I think you just nailed, I, mean, I think you just nailed a verdict right there. I think I, I think I did. And I'm going to tell you what, I feel actually pretty, pretty doggone confident in, in this. And I'm going to say, I think that wow. there were letters towards the end, especially. Wow. I don't find convincing things like um, the Exorcist review, even though it's got Mikado lyrics and everything. To me, I'm no handwriting expert. I don't think that that's, I think that's coming from somewhere else. And that's the letter that claims 37 victims. I don't think that Ross Sullivan, who I'm pinning as the Zodiac killer, ever claimed that. Uh, That's just like unnecessary, a number that's been thrown in by maybe a prankster, maybe somebody with a more sinister agenda who just wants to be a part of the show uh, or something. Um, so I'm not linking that like the red phantom thing to me doesn't look like anybody's handwriting. I think that that's probably just like a joke or something, to be honest. Um, I'm not sure maybe the Badlands thing is a Zodiac that feels like a Zodiac to me. Uh, the postcard about the SLA, I think that's a, I think that's a, a fraud as well. Um, and then the two postcards, uh, otherwise, uh, with the cutout text, those to me probably came from Lawrence Kane. Uh, the Albany letter, I don't think that that's Ross Sullivan. It doesn't look the same to me. Um, I think that that's, uh, I think that that's a, uh, uh, like a copycat or a forgery because nothing ever happened. Uh, so that's just on some of that, that stuff. And frankly, on my, on my, uh, verdict for this whole thing, I'm, I'm feeling pretty good. I'm going to say that this is very plausible. Wow. I think that I did a good job thinking about this because I was feeling weird about that at first because I was like, Paul Stein's murder doesn't make sense to me. And I thought, well, you know, maybe somebody other than Ross Sullivan committed Paul Stein's murder. But then the letter comes in with the shirt and you can't deny that that was Paul Stein's shirt. So clearly, and that seems like a Zodiac letter to me. Those both seem like Zodiac letters to me. Oh wait, am I going to, unravel myself oh no the card had the shirt in it not the postcard oh good i'm okay (laughs) um anyway wow uh, you just saw you just saw yeah (laughs) yeah i saw my thought my verdict flash before my eyes on that one um so uh yeah what i where was i going where was i in this um so i think that the shirt is the thing that you can't you can't undo you know what I mean? Like, wow. Like the shirt is the thing, you know, I'll say this. I'm not even sure that the, the Melvin belly letter, I'm not sure that that's Zodiac either. I think that it might be, but I don't know. I'm not, not convinced and, on that one. Totally either. And, that and might just be just to confirm that. So raw Sullivan fits the physical description, but we've never tested his DNA. Yeah. I don't know anything I couldn't find very much information about Ross Sullivan as a suspect in this. 
Uh, and frankly, it doesn't seem like it's so well established that Ross Sullivan is even a good suspect in this. But like to me, the evidence kind of adds up better than it does for anybody else. I mean, he's got this strong appearance of the Zodiac because Lawrence Kane doesn't match the physical description of the Zodiac. Right. Lawrence Kane matches the physical description given by Kathleen Johns, uh, even though the drawing that they made of the composite of Zodiac doesn't really look like Lawrence Kane. It looks like Ross Sullivan. Um, I think that, I, I mean, again, I don't know about Kathleen Johns' whole encounter at the Patterson police station, but I think the way that she described the person who who abducted her, it's Lawrence Kane. And there's no doubt in my mind that Lawrence Kane abducted, uh, abducted, uh, 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 Donna Lass. Absolutely. And I think that Kane probably sent the, the Kane sent the, uh, the, uh, uh, the, uh, Lake Tahoe postcard. I mean, I guess what I'm thinking is that he lived in the Bay area. I mean, his mother lived there. He spent a lot of time there, uh, he, he knew about the Zodiac. I mean, he had issues of his own. It probably was kind of exhilarating for him to be like, oh, he's, you know, people might think I'm the Zodiac. He probably had the same thing that redacted Lee Allen had going on where he kind of like maybe he wanted people think he was the Zodiac. Um, but those two crimes, Kathleen Johns and Donna Lass, they're almost the same. You know, it's an abduction. That's not that's not the rest of the Zodiac's M.O. It doesn't make sense to me. Those don't fit in. And like when I thought Paul Stein didn't fit in, but I couldn't rule it out because of the, the shirt pieces in the letters. Well, then you go back and you find Ray Davis and that looks almost exactly like a combination of Paul Stein and like, uh, Farron Majot. Interesting. And, and did we say anything about Ross Sullivan, uh, being like a loner, like he was, he was known as being like kind of a recruit reclusive kind of loner guy. Right. Or yeah, actually, uh, did he have he, anything? Cause fucking Zodiac killed a lot of couples. Yeah. The, you a know, lovers lane couples. Uh, he, his coworkers at RCC described him as like making them uncomfortable and stuff. Uh, that he was like, well, I mean, quiet. a lot of people probably describe us that way. Well, yeah, I know that my coworkers do for sure. Um, but I make a lot of people uncomfortable, uh, and it's because yeah. I'm aggressively obnoxious. Um, but <laughs> you know, I aggressively think- obnoxious, the Andy story. <laughs> and what a tale Aggressive- I have to tell. <laughs> Aggressively obnoxious. Incredibly loud, a new and, incredibly loud and aggressively obnoxious. That's your, <laughs> that's your like um, Oscar winning moment uh, movie piece starring Tim Honks. <laughs> um, aggressively starring obnoxious Jamie and uncomfortably Kennedy close. In the role that brought back his career as Andy. <laughs> um. Yeah, you know, he was not well thought of. And even, um, you know, he was an English student. Uh, Mm. And if I've got this fact right, the like, like one of his professors or like the, you know, the professor that was like the head of the English department, like actually wrote a letter after Sherry Jo Bates 
was murdered, like basically saying that I think that Ross Sullivan did this because I think that he would be capable of something like this. And we don't know anything about his family life. We don't know anything about his relationship with his parents. No, I didn't really find a lot. I mean, he he was allegedly born in New York. Um, and so there's some kind of, you know, this connection to Albany that if that Albany letter is actually a Zodiac thing, it maybe could have been him. You know, he and Kane both have like an Albany connection, but it's, you know, Kane was arrested in Albany in the 40s. Um, you know, uh, oh, I guess I, I forgot to say one thing too, Art. I wanted to bring back the boomer aspect. Ross Sullivan, allegedly born in 1941, definitely a boomer, right? Like, Technically is a boomer. He's a boomer. So case closed. Uh, upgrading to case confirmed now because he's a boomer. Uh, no, I'm kidding. I'm <laughs> kidding. Please don't upgrade my verdict. Um, but yeah, I think that's like there's there's a connection. It's hard. It's hard to say. But I don't know anything about his uh, his family life or or anything like that. Wow. I didn't find well, very much say, information on his past. This is quite the verdict. I, I really. I mean, I I almost want to give you a round, a tip of the hat, really moment, and a wow. round of applause to Andy. Um, I feel like your verdict convinced me to change mine. Whoa, really? I originally had redacted Lee Allen and <laughs> and uh, Lawrence Kane, and possibly others as sort of a two man squad of uh, terror. What were you going to say, though? Like, could you go through it? And I'm just curious about what your, uh, how you arrived there, like what your process well, was. I mean, obviously, I think Arthur Lee Allen kind of fits some of the physical descriptions of the Zodiac. He obviously is a bad person who is capable of doing harm mm -hmm. and not, you know, he's obviously like he's struggling with his uh, human empathy and his own desires. And I think... You know, there's a lot of circumstantial evidence pointing towards him, like we said. The inmate telling him that he said he did it. The like in all the Zodiac stuff. The police searches. The fucking cut up animals in his fridge. Like, you know, uh, the other weird stuff he was into. He seems like a guy who fits the bill. And I think... Kind of like all the things that you attributed to Ross Sullivan. I'm like, well, this guy seems like the type of guy who would go and do those things. And then all the things you attributed to Lawrence Kane, I also agree with you on that. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I, I definitely, always, I already agreed with you on the um, it being multiple people stuff, and they're also being like copycats and people sending in fake letters and shit and all this other stuff, but. Your verdicts on Ross Sullivan are really interesting because, yeah, I mean, like you said, the DNA doesn't match with redacted Lee Allen. Mm -hmm. I wish we had any shred of DNA evidence on Ross Sullivan. I wish yeah. we had more evidence. Yep. I think that this is an interesting lane that needs to be explored more for sure. Um, You know, we can, like if the DNA evidence comes back negative, then it's kind of like, okay, we got to go back to square one here. But uh, we don't have any of that. On the same, you know, on the same foot, 
on the other foot, which is a phrase I'm, I just made up. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, a lot of the Ross Sullivan stuff is also very circumstantial. It's like, okay, yeah, he's a creep. Okay, yeah, like, you know, people think he's a weird loner creep. And yeah, maybe he's really into murder. But, you know, I mean, this was the... This was the 1960s and the 1970s-ish. Being into weird avant-garde stuff, which maybe, you know, I'm kind of... Like, we don't have anything of Russell where it's like, yeah, and he was known for torturing animals and fucking stalking women. He got in trouble for that a few times, you know? It's like, what you're kind of telling me is he just kind of fits the physical description. But, I mean, also, yeah, the cryptology stuff, he has that link, but again... That's not empirical. No, it's not. You know, what admittedly, I'm admittedly, I know. But I think what you say, what you bring up, is good enough that I think it's a route that needs to be explored more. Yeah. Um. And so, with that, I I think I'll echo your verdict and say it's also very plausible what you said. Um, yeah. Ross Sullivan and Lawrence Kane. The Tag team duo of terror. Uh, I think are are the routes that need to be explored a little bit more. There need to be a little bit more books being written about these guys. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I, you know, I think a lot of the a lot of the evidence probably against Ross Sullivan is that you know is like this proximity thing that you know they don't place him at the places where the murders happened uh at the times when they happened necessarily um okay but like they know that he moved to northern california right so he would have been in the area it's like just because he wasn't in necessarily like the north bay area at the exact time you know it doesn't mean that it's not it's not possible you know i guess it's it's a little bit of a stretch but there's less against it to me, you know, it's it's speculative. The negatives for Ross Sullivan are more speculative than like redactedly Allen, where it's sort of there's more definitive that okay, this is not the Zodiac. Yeah, I mean the lack of military background doesn't bug me as much either, because it's like it doesn't take a military background to know how to shoot a gun at people. Yeah, you could or learn stab them with a knife. You could be interested um, in military clothing and stuff too, you know? Yeah, and I'm not sure when stuff like the Anarchist Cookbook came out, if that was around back then. It might have been. But he seems like the type of guy who would get his hands on that and be totally into that. Yeah. Um. Let's see. Yeah, because he was in he was in Northern Carol, Ca- California by 1968. So then, you know, the murders of David Faraday and Betty Lou Jensen also happened in 1968. So the timing there matches up, you know. So he would have been would have been moved away from Riverside already by 1968 when those murders happened. And the Anarchist Cookbook was first published in 1971. 
And for those of you who don't know what the Anarchist Cookbook is, uh, well, be careful. Uh, but it, it contains instructions. <laughs> if you don't know, Google it. <laughs> yeah. Instructions for the manufacture of explosives, rudimentary telecommunications, freaking devices, and related weapons, uh, home manufacturing for drugs and other things. It was, um, it, it's a weird story. It's, uh, it was written by a guy named William Powell. And, um, He uh, he later very much regretted what he did, and wants to have it uh, removed. You know, I'm just thinking there's probably something else that that I should say about Ross Sullivan. Okay. Um. So, like, obviously Riverside is like like Southern California, right? We're talking like this is outside of L.A. is Riverside. Um, Yeah. If you go all the way back to the murder of um, Ray Davis, that's in Oceanside, which is also in Southern California. And then if you go to the murder, because we didn't really talk about this one, Robert Domingos and Linda Edwards. uh, If we go to... Like, where is Gaviota in the state of California? Well, it's also, well, I don't want to misspeak because I don't know enough about how people classify things in uh, California. But to me, that it would be Southern California. Like, it's, you know, it's like 30 miles away from L.A., 40 miles away from L.A. Um yeah. So like there's there's these murders that kind of fit that mold of you've got Sherry Joe Bates in Riverside, you've got uh Ray Davis in Oceanside, you've got uh Robert Domingos and Linda Edwards in Gaviota. Like all three of those are in the LA, like greater LA San Diego area. Um mm-hmm. that's that's where Ross Sullivan was then, you know? Like, I don't know when he moved uh, to California, like, for sure. Uh, if you can believe some of the stuff online, uh, let's see, what does it say? It says he moved. I'm trying to help bolster my case here so that, you know, if if, if bunk funkers come at me hard, uh, I'll have a good rebuttal. So, yeah, by 1961, he was in he was in Riverside. So that's before those murders start. Like he would have been 20 years old at that time. So he moved from, moved to Glendale uh, and graduated from Glendale High School is what this thing says. I don't know if that's true. Uh, But then was in Riverside by 61. So he was in California at the time. Yeah. I think you make a good case. And I think uh, ultimately, Andy, those are our verdicts. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We did it. And solved, uh, Bunk Funkers. Solved this 50 year old know, cold case. We did it. Uh, Bunk Funkers, let us know what you think on our verdicts. Did we get it right? Did we get it wrong? Use the hashtag um, That's So Zodiac. <laughs> sure. Um, what about um, what if what if we just make it hashtag Zodiac button? 
So use the hashtag that's so zodiac and the hashtag zodiac button. <laughs> um, and let us know what you think of the zodiac killer and what you think about our verdicts. Email us, mrbunkerpod at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter and Instagram at mrbunkerpod. Uh, contact us through our website at mrbunkersconspiracytime.com and find us on YouTube by searching Mr. Bunker's Conspiracy Time Podcast. Um, whoo-wee. Wow, Andy, that is uh, that is one chonky case. That's a big, that's a honky chonky case. That's one hell of a whole enchilada. Yes, sir. Is there anything else you want to explore? <laughs> uh, why am I the way I am? <laughs> Ooh, Andy, I am not. I am not being paid anything. I'm not being paid anything. <laughs> Or enough to yeah to figure out that question. This podcast has been a substantial loss for everybody involved. Um. Yeah, I mean, is there any other? Did you didn't you you had a um, you had a little make them up that you wanted to do. Oh, you always uh, I always tell you to think about something, uh, and then I always forget that I told you to do that. Um, so. <laughs> You have to remind me in an uncomfortable way uh, to to remember that. Listen, I'm the master of segues, but you can lead a horse to water and it's like, you know, I'm clearly a defective horse. Uh, so yeah. you can our, lead an Andy to ranch dressing, but you can't make him drink. You know what I'm saying? You can't you can't force him to drink. He'll drink on his own accord and drink all the ranch dressing and then you will have to get more ranch. Uh, but that's just how it goes. Um, Art. Let's say you're a serial killer, okay? <gasps> you're oh, so put yourself in those shoes. You're a serial killer. Um, <laughs> why do you kill? And in what ways do you communicate your crimes, if at all? Okay. Well, here's the thing, Andy. In this scenario, I work for this for the department. At, I work for the city in the Department of Transportation. And uh, construction and shit like that. Mm -hmm. I work for city construction by day. And I'm quiet and I'm mild manner. And I make all the other construction workers uncomfortable. Because, you know, I'm just not not like a regular old construction worker. Yeah. Um, You know, I'm just quiet and weird. And just like Ross Sullivan, I make everyone uncomfortable. (laughs) But at night... You, okay, so all right, I didn't have to. I didn't have to work too hard to put myself in those shoes, right? That, that's kind of already. I already make people uncomfortable, just in my own personal life. But in this hypothetical fake scenario, at night, I use my construction knowledge to dig pits in the ground. Okay. Now, these are very well described, well well disguised, and described in my schematics. Um, these are where very well disguised pits. You know, I plan these pits out. I know when and yeah. where they're going to be. Okay. Under what, they're, they're all over the city. And I fill them with poisonous snakes. I would be the snake pit killer. Okay. Not the most efficient killer. Okay. But there is no denying my crimes. Okay. Yeah. There's no denying what crimes fit the snake pit killer. I mean, <laughs> yeah. the evidence is pretty convincing. Am I right? Yeah, you know, two uh, detectives. They might not know if a crime fits into the zodiac, right? Because he uses a gun or he uses a knife, and it's like, where was he at the certain point in time? Hey, with the snake pit killer, 
there's no denying it's the snake pit killer. I mean, you got a big old pit of snakes, and you're Obvious. like, mm, I don't know. Is it the snake pit killer? It's obviously the snake pit right. killer, my dude. Who else could it be? <laughs> no way, baby. <laughs> Why do I do this? Yeah. Because when I was a little kid, my parents wouldn't let me have a pet snake. Right. They wouldn't let me fulfill my dreams of having a pet snake. Wow. Or alternatively, when I was a little kid, I did have a pet snake, but my parents were sick fucks who dressed it up as a sexy lingerie snake. Yeah. Put a little yeah. lipstick on it, a little wig on the snake. <laughs> so a little so sexy you, snake underwear. Right. <laughs> and they said, This snake is your real mother. That's your real mommy. That snake. And then they pretended that my parents, my my mom pretended that she was my sister. Right. Right. And then, then I turned into the snake pit killer. Yeah. I bet a big pet is poisonous snakes. It bites people. You're, you're, you're a regular Charles Manson. <laughs> There's no denying my crimes. Wow. She, I don't know. It's a big old pit. On the one hand, we have a big old pit. On the other hand, it's full of snakes. <laughs> this it is, could be the snake pit killer. I think it's a copycat. But I don't know. <laughs> it's probably a copycat. <laughs> probably a copycat killer. Just dozens of copycats. <laughs> wow. <laughs> no, that's just a regular old pothole. I mean, and there happens to be a snake inside of it. <laughs> there happens to be hundreds of snakes in it. It's not. Yeah. Years Look, later I mean, on some fucking goofy podcast run by two guys some dude named andy is like listen it's occam's razor there happened to be a pit which was just a pothole and there happened to be a snake inside of it okay have you ever dug a hole the ground's full of snakes (laughs) it's mostly snakes under there so there you go i'm the snake pit killer wow well i hope i don't get snake bit andy did you did you come up with a uh a backstory or no? Uh, no, no. I was too busy solving the Zodiac case. <laughs> <laughs> oh, ooh, sorry. I'm sorry, sir. I'm sorry. Uh, my apologies, sir. Uh, how foolish of me. How foolish Thank of me. Thank you. I deserve that. Yes. You know, normally, Bung Funkers, I'm always ripping on Andy saying he's like walking around town eating hot dogs and drinking ranch dressing out of a cup. Um, but, uh, really, you know, in his spare time, he's diligently working to solve cold cases. (laughs) Yeah. I, uh, I volunteer my time, uh, to take on, uh, famous cold cases, cold cases and cold cuts. Am I right? Hey, (laughs) anyway. Yeah. I'm always eating bologna. (laughs) Um, well, oh. I think that was our that was our episode on the Zodiac Killer, Andy. Is there? Um, wow. Do you have any last words? Uh, no, I'm just gonna say, Bung Funkers. I hope you got your bellies full on whole enchilada. And frankly, I'm looking forward to uh, seeing what everyone thinks on this one. Yeah, uh, we definitely want to wanna hear your verdicts on this. Yeah, one. I want to. I want to know what people think about who done it in the Zodiac case. Cause I'm feeling yeah. good about mine, but I'm interested to see what other people think really happened for sure. And, um, well, there's no better way to end it. Uh, so for not the titular Mr. Bunker, but mm-hmm. for my bodacious, Oh baby, 
Oh, yeah. My bodacious co-host, Andy Hart. I'm Art Stone saying that was the whole enchilada. Bunkeroni, the San Francisco treat. Ding, ding. That's what ransomware is all about. It's psychological pressure. Ransomware. When your computer's hacked into and your data held ransom. Attacks are on the rise and Russian gangs are making billions of dollars. The moment I got that message, I knew our greatest fears that we ever have are starting to come true. The post-Cold War era is over. Dot com, the hacking. A new season from Crowd Network with me, Katie Puckrick. Just search for dot com, that's D-O-T-C-O-M, and subscribe.